Welcome. We have been waiting for you. They do not want you to be here. But where others fail, you will succeed. Forget the cell. In this space, time is endless. You are now experiencing the fourth dimension. Are you ready for what lies ahead? Your mind will transcend reality. Your consciousness will be sharpened like a sword. You will lose all connection to the outside world. And nothing will ever be the same again. You have arrived. Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Good evening, good evening. Hello everyone, welcome to Thursday night. What an absolute pleasure to be with you. Now why is that showing like that? I have no idea why it's doing that. <laughs> why the chat box looks that way. It's supposed to be transparent. We're off to an absolute fly. As usual, thanks for joining us everyone. Hope you had a lovely week. I certainly have. Let me just make sure we fix that. Okay. Hopefully that should fix it. If not, we'll struggle through. Actually, let me do this. What a, what an up-tempo, up-vibe. There we go. There we go. Up tempo, up vibe, introduction to the show. <laughs> Cow farts are ruining everything. Ducks Regionus over there on stream.me. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. Hope you're having a lovely day. Hope you've had a lovely week. I certainly have. And what a, what a week it was. Look at all these names in the chat. Gypsy, got evening. Christian Lamar, thanks for joining us. J-Dub, 
the Titan Topper, to the couple of chaps, Ducks Regionus and the Patriot over on stream.me. You guys keep the dream alive. The stream.me dream. You keep it kicking along. That's what I like to see. James R is in the chat, the owner and CEO of TAVshow.com, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I noticed somebody, I, I didn't get the name, somebody said, hello, James and Boogie. And I thought, isn't that interesting? James, we're like uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck now. <laughs> you know, we don't do everything together. We're very independent people. We have our own lives. But if we are Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, I'm obviously the attractive genius Matt Damon struggling with coming to grips with his genius who keeps his construction worker friend Ben Affleck around to just feel normal and Ben Affleck gets drunk and gets him into fights that he shouldn't be getting in but eventually gives him the advice that he needs to go see about a girl. I also punched Robin Williams in the mouth once. So there you have it. G'day, g'day, Sandra. Good to see you. Nisi K, Java Unlimited. The General Eaton. Doc, Kimmy Jong-un, Sin Soak, Tracy, Jules, Franklin, Fritzer. And anyone else I might have forgotten. Got so much to get through. We're going to have a lot of fun. But first, let's, let's have a little chat. So I knew this title would bring people in and... Somebody came in and, like, the lines are starting, you know. Like, Colin was a sensational witness. <laughs> and, and I thank that person for being in here. You're going to play the role perfectly. Here's the thing, right, with the whole Cohen incident. Um, I watched probably an hour and a half, two hours of it. And, like, I'm going to be objective here. The, the doe-eyed, I'm sorry, Boy Scout thing, it, it's a little cringy. It's just a little bit hard to believe. <laughs> Especially if, by your own admission, you've spent over a decade robbing people of their money and engaged in criminal activity. And, you know, some people wake up after that kind of history and say, enough is enough, I'm going to do the right thing, I'm going to be a good Christian, blah, blah, blah. But not many, <laughs> not many do that. A friend actually said to me, are you going to use the defense that he's lying? And I said, well, it's not really a defense. He, he admitted to lying. He's been convicted of lying to Congress. <laughs> so it's not like a defense tactic, you know what I mean? It's just a reality of what happened. Um, people are going to argue whether or not his testimony was credible Here's the thing, he he's a lawyer, right? But I don't like simplicity in these things because if you're if you find yourself getting dragged into a conversation that's based in on simplicity, then you know you're getting fucked by somebody else. Let me explain. People are going to come in and say, "Well, you know, everything he says is like he was being honest and credible and truthful about his dealings with Donald Trump." And other people are going to say, he lied about his dealings with Donald Trump. But don't you think it's a little more complex than that? Because really, if he's talking about his personal interactions with Donald Trump, his personal conversations, we don't know what's true and untrue. The problem is he didn't present much evidence 
to back up his claims. Like, what was there, a check with $35,000? That that doesn't prove anything. That proves that he got a check for $35,000, you see. He can say that it proves, you know, he can say that it proves that Donald Trump was trying to cover up an affair with Stormy Daniels, but he can say it proves anything. It doesn't necessarily make it true. <laughs> so I think... What we're dealing with here is, I prop, I, I, let me put it this way, objectively as we can and pragmatically as we can, the best that we can say is he was perhaps saying the truth. He was perhaps telling the truth on some things. There was perhaps some manipulations of the truth and there was perhaps some untruths. But in the, at the end of the day, here's the rub. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he was telling the truth about this one particular conversation that he had with Trump in the back of a limo seven and a half years ago. It doesn't matter if he was manipulating the truth in regards to paperwork and documents regarding, you know, tax details or bank details at Donald Trump. It doesn't matter if he was making shit up. Because the way it works is this is all just fodder. This is all just meat. Whether he's telling the truth, manipulating the truth, or telling a lie in any particular specific circumstance is only effective in so much as somebody can use a particular statement or a particular quote or a particular accusation to push their agenda either to remove the president or to defend him. Like going both ways here, right? The truth doesn't matter. The truth is utterly irrelevant. It means nothing. Because 95% of what this clown said was, you know, one person versus another. No witnesses, no evidence. To which I say, so what? <laughs> and a couple of people online have tried to drag me into defending Donald Trump in regards to Michael Cohen's accusations. I'm not playing that game. I'm not falling for that. <laughs> I say, well, so what if he was telling the truth? Prove it. That's why we, that's why we have evidence to begin with. He said that Donald Trump is a racist and blah, 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 blah. Don't you think it's true? I'm like, I don't have to think it's true. He has to prove that it's true. And until such time as he does, I'm well within my right to not give one solitary fuck about what he thinks. It's irrelevant. Doesn't even matter. So that's the that's the beauty of it. It's all just theatre. And the opinion pieces start getting written up. I've, I was I was doing my peruse around the interwebs, like in the corporate press and stuff. Everybody thinks it was explosive testimony. <laughs> I'm like, are you, were you watching the same thing I was watching? Explosive? Because again, the truth doesn't matter, right? Explosive bombshell accusation. And I'm like, what's the bombshell here? Michael Cohen said Donald Trump is racist. It's like, take a fucking number, man. It's like... <laughs> The people wanting to call Donald Trump racist <clears throat> is like half price on, you know, ham at a New York deli. You know, they're fucking lined up down the road. Half price Reuben sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> Who gives a fuck? Everybody calls him a racist. Doesn't, doesn't mean a thing. Doesn't matter. So I found it very interesting. So, of course... 
regardless of the fact that people want to call things bombshells and explosive when they are clearly not, the operation is now to divert into a different subject. Use, well, see, racism, racism, racism. That's exactly the point I'm going to get to. Because there was no actual explosive evidence in regards to, you know, collusion or anything, really. (laughs) Genuinely, nothing. The only thing that they can do now is turn it into something else. And that's exactly what they're trying to do. Cohen pled to a non-crime without a trial. He was a lawyer. What a lousy, pathetic lawyer. (laughs) Yeah, I laughed at one point. Did you see his his opening statement? God. I cringed so hard, I thought my cheekbones were going to explode. It's awful. But there was one moment there where he was like, you know, I'm the guy that people call up at three in the morning to help them out. And I'm like, yeah, of course. You know, you work for millionaires. (laughs) I bet at some point, you know, some millionaire with like, you know, a, a pound of cocaine and a dead hooker in the trunk, they would call up Michael Cohen. I'm not sure that's something you want to put on your resume, though, bro. I'm not, not sure that's something that actually, you know, holds up, builds up your character in the eyes of the public. <laughs> you know, I'm the guy that gets things done. I'm the guy. I I help everybody. I'm a nice guy. I like to help everybody. And, you know, I, I'm very generous. I'm, I care about my family, my beautiful wife. I do anything for my beautiful wife. I I do everything for everybody. Yeah, but you got paid a shit ton of money to do it. It's not like Michael Cohen Foundation. It's not like the Michael Cohen charity. Dan, the man, thanks for joining us. So I found it all a bit laughable. We will get into a little bit of Michael Cohen. I've got some other weird stories for you. Um, Oh, just on the North Korea thing. Here's the fun part for me with the North Korean thing. Um, it's going to be reported today, tomorrow, for the next couple of days. Epic Trump failure. Kim Jong-un. Kim Jong-un owns Donald Trump. Right? That sort of garbage. But if you will cast your mind back to the week before Donald Trump left for this summit with North Korea, we we did it on Trust and Verify. We watched it with uh, Chuck Todd, that sleepy-eyed son of a bitch, Chuck Todd. And they were saying... Wow, this is just a, he's just going there for a PR stunt. <laughs> Do you remember? He was, it was only going to be a PR stunt in North Korea. There was nothing resting on the talks. It wasn't a serious meeting. There were no consequences of a meeting fail because it was just a PR stunt. Do you remember that? Donald Trump is just looking for good press. It is just a PR stunt. But now they're going to come back and tell you that it's epic crisis, that there was a failure completely ironically giving Donald Trump PR (laughs) and not being aware of it. So again, if somebody turns around and says, well, what about that thing in North Korea? Donald Trump had to walk out of the meeting, didn't get what he wanted from Kim Jong-un. I'll say, so what? It was just a PR stunt. Remember, bro? Remember last week it was a PR stunt? What's changed? If it's all a PR stunt, then nothing really matters. Checkmate. So we're getting into a little bit of that. I do have some weird and wonderful, strange stories from around the web. Uh, My good friend, the general, sent me a clip of Brian Stelter being interviewed by Millie Weaver. Actually, by the way, yesterday, I don't know if anybody saw it, 
I was tempted to play clips of it, but I think everybody can just watch it in, at their own leisure. Yes, ledger, <laughs> leisure. Now I'm now I'm, I've been watching too much Michael Cohen. Yeah, I've got my own ledger. Um, yesterday was a complete write-off because Alex Jones was on the Joe Rogan podcast for like five hours, and I couldn't get anything done. <laughs> I was just watching it with my mouth open. <laughs> It was arguably the greatest the greatest podcast that I've ever watched, ever listened to. And I listened to it again that night. <laughs> and I was tempted to play clips because Alex was fucking off the hook, man. There was some Alex Jones pure gold in there. Maybe, maybe later in the night if we if we can be bothered if we have time, but I doubt we will. But like I said, how about the Pakistan videos of Pilot burning alive to a crisp? I haven't seen them. I haven't seen them. I, I can talk about um, the war in Kashmir, the quote-unquote war in Kashmir. Who's this? Thanks for joining us. I got told um, years and years and years ago by a guy who had family in the British Army. And as you know, the Brits were in India for a long time. So a lot of the Indian, you know, this is going back to the 90s. It might have changed a bit now, but at that time it was still pretty fresh. A lot of the Indian... Uh, military positions were actually allocated for, because you know how they have the class system over there, the caste system. So it was people born into nobility that were given, you know, positions like general and, and this kind of stuff in the Indian military. And a lot of them were actually educated in English schools. I met a guy from India who spoke with a pure British accent because he went to an English boarding school in India for like 12 years of his life. So it was like, you know, I'd, you know, Boogie, I'd like to, I'd like you to meet my friend Pashari from India. And he'd go, good evening, sir. How are you? Well, a, a jolly good, a jolly fine game it was, sir. Would you like a beverage? He's like an Indian guy. <laughs> so it blows you away. So apparently the, there's like a gentleman's rule when it comes to war in Kashmir between these nobles, you know, in the on the Pakistan side and the Indian side, because like a lot of them run in the same circles, right? So it's apparently it's really hard to get the guns up in the mountains in Kashmir. Like it takes a lot of work. And you know, they've got to dig the mountain out and put the big artillery guns in there. They've got to lift them up. It takes a it takes a shit ton of work to get these artillery pieces up into the mountains in Kashmir. So it's actually considered rude to shoot the other guy's guns out because it's so hard to get them back up in the thing. <laughs> Jane Lucy says, now the House can impeach Trump. Okay. Okay. Good for the House. <laughs> so it's really rude to, to shoot these the other guy's artillery out because it takes so much effort to get it up there. And what they'll do is they'll call up on the phone the other side and remember, they're all, um, you know, they're all educated in British schools and stuff. And they'll say, yes, Muhammad. Yes, just just a little warning, old chap. Just sending a couple of shells your way to keep the general occupied. You know how it is. So how about that cricket team of yours? They could do much better, couldn't they? Well, yes, Pashani. Thank you for the heads up, sir. Uh, after you have fired your shells at around 3.15 this afternoon, we will be doing the same returning fire about 15 degrees to the northeast. We'll make sure not to hit anybody. Jolly good. Thank you very much, sir. And they hang up and then they shoot the shells. 
and the report goes back to, you know, the head office and the government and they say shots fired in Kashmir. That's generally how it goes. That's why after all of these years of fighting in, you know, quote unquote fighting in a disputed zone that you've had like five people die because <laughs> they're not really trying to fight. <laughs> Which I always found very amusing, the thought of that. Sorry, old chap. Sorry to send those shells overhead. Do beware, there might be some falling rocks. It's interesting stuff. So we will get through to that. We'll get to your stuff as well. Ladies and gentlemen, House has power of oversight and impeachment. It looks... uh, Ladies and gentlemen, please thank uh, Jane Lucy for your Civics 101 education today. The House can impeach Trump. Okay. The House House has power of oversight. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Thanks for joining us, Jane Lucy. If at any other time during today's broadcast you feel the need to explain the bleedingly obvious to people, please do so. You're more than welcome. So much to get through, much fun to have. Thanks for sharing. By the way, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please do so by heading over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to impeach me or subject me to some crippling sanctions, please do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Ladies and gentlemen, let's kick it off the way we like to with this. Now you face the shredder. From one of my personal favourites, Salon, ladies and gentlemen. Are we breeding depraved billionaires? Economic inequality, sex trafficking, and Trump's America. It's all Trump's fault. Jeffrey Epstein, Robert Kraft, Handjobs, and Lolita Express. Damn that Bonald, that Bonald Trump. Donald Trump, Jeffrey Epstein, and Robert Kraft. Wealth inequality is turning super rich into comic book villains. <laughs> Bring the women to my plane and they will pleasure me sexually. Fuck you, Batman. At this point, it wouldn't be that surprising to learn that the American billionaire class has a lavishly appointed ranch hidden away where, for a healthy fee, members can kick back, relax, and hunt human beings for sport. (laughs) Which I always thought would be a fantastic reality show. You know, remember The Running Man? If only they really did it. There is a deep-seated urge for humans to watch each other get disemboweled on some level, I think. The Romans knew it. The Greeks knew it. Why don't we know it? Last week, the country got another glimpse of the sheer depravity of many of our economic betters that many of our economic betters live in and an ugly reminder of how much their wealth and power shields them from culpability. Well, I would agree on the last point that wealth and power shields people from culpability, generally because they can afford the best lawyers. Or even just, you know, average ones like Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen was in the hearing saying, you know, I I lied on behalf of Donald Trump. It's like, well, that's pretty much what a lawyer it's pretty much what a lawyer does. Generally. <laughs> like even even uh, you know, people who chop up Other people into little pieces and dump them into vats of acid. Get a lawyer up there going, well, you know, he didn't really know what he was doing. It's not really his fault. You see, he was abused as a child, Your Honour. He didn't really do it. It's not really fair. 
On Friday, law enforcement in Florida revealed the results of a lengthy investigation into the nauseatingly named Orchids of Asia Day Spa, which authorities say was merely a cover for a sex trafficking operation that is also suspected to be involved in money laundering. Hundreds of men have been charged in the case for having sex with women whom officials say were being held captive. The most prominent of these men is Robert Kraft, the billionaire owner of the New England Patriots and a friend of Donald Trump. Well, that's that's all I need to hear. Impeach! Impeach him now! Mr. Trump, is it true that your friend got a hand job from a sex slave? You know, I did many things for Donald Trump. I love my family. I'm looking for redemption. The news of this sting operation came out right after another major development in the story of Jeffrey Epstein or Epstein, whichever you prefer, a prominent investment banker who has also been accused of sex trafficking. Epstein was accused of procuring dozens of girls, some as young as 13, both for his own sexual gratification and allegedly to farm out to his wealthy friends. Epstein got off with a slap on the wrist in 2008 for this after striking a deal with federal prosecutor Alexander Acosta, who is now Trump's Labor secretary. Instead of... Yeah, people hate that. People are really pissed off about that. Instead of going to a normal state penitentiary, Epstein was sent to a relatively cosy private prison in Palm Beach and even then spent much of his 13-month sentence on work release at his office instead of incarcerated. Now a federal judge has ruled a deal which explicitly shields any of Epstein's named or unnamed co-conspirators from prosecution broke the law and violated the rights of the victims. There is a chance now that the plea deal could be terminated. This shoddy deal, former federal prosecutors Mimi Roker and Barrett Berger argue at NBC, was not the result of mistakes by overwhelmed or overworked prosecutors, but rather a calculated plan by the prosecutor in charge working with Epstein's attorneys. You don't say. You d- are, you, are you trying to tell me that rich people have really talented lawyers who make deals with prosecutors who have power and pull with people in government? What? Come on now. Come on now. No. That doesn't happen. What are you talking about? That doesn't happen at all. Yeah. You know, if 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 uh Michael Cohen really was covering up like over 10 years of corruption and criminality and all of this shit. Do you, do you think he would come with more than just one check for $35,000 that doesn't actually prove anything other than the fact he got paid once $35,000? <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. People are like, oh, smoking gun. We got him now. <laughs> I just take out my diary for the last two years. And I'm like, okay, Billy Bush tape. He can't, he can't survive from this. Uh, what else have we got here? Yep. Uh, remember he made the comments about Mexicans, he'll never get elected. Yep, that'll finish him. Uh, what did he do? Yeah, made some comments about um, Nancy Pelosi. Yep, that'll finish him. He's, he's done. It's over. And what do we have now? Uh, there was 13 women at one stage who came out and accused him of sexual assault. Remember that during the campaign? Yep, he can't recover from this. It's all over. It's all over now for Donald Trump. 
And let me just add this one in. Yep. Okay. $35,000 check to Michael Cohen. Donald Trump is going to be impeached because of this. Okay. Cool. It's in the diary. Uh, be sure to tune in next week when it'll be some other thing that's going to end the presidency. Just so you know. The shithole comment. Yes, of course. How could we forget the shithole comments? How could we forget the shithole comments, ladies and gentlemen? That was tragic. Remember, there was no coming back from that. No coming back. So, yeah, tune in next week when it'll be some something else that gets Donald Trump impeached. Not a deal, not a check for $35,000 that doesn't actually literally prove anything. This shoddy deal, for, former federal, like I'm obviously panicking. You, if you can tell by the comments in the chat, the, the, um, the Trump fans in the chat are panicking. I don't have a, I don't have uh, any skin in this game. Like I don't have a horse in this race. So, like I said, I'm being purely objective here. If there was something more, I would have said so. If there was something actually legitimate that I could sink my teeth into and go, well, you know what? He's got a point here. And people who watch this show know that I'll say things that you know Trump fans dislike when I find it appropriate to do so. But on this occasion, it was really bad. It it didn't work. It didn't it didn't play it didn't play out the way Democrats expected it to. I think, which is why they're going to be turning it all into racism now, which we'll get to. Acosta, now a member of Trump's cabinet, which is sadly no surprise. Trump himself was infamously recorded in 2005. Here, here it is again. <laughs> I I don't pre-read the articles. I read the headline and like the first paragraph, and then I know at that point that it's going to be bad, and we can have fun. <laughs> we just let me open the diary one more time. Wait, okay, Billy Bush tape. There it is. <laughs> Infamously recorded in 2005, bragging about his wealth and fame allows him to sexually assault women without consequence. <laughs> they let you do it. Shut up. Stop sexually assaulting people that let you sexually assault them with consent. Noting that he likes to quote Grab them by the pussy Because when you're a star They let you do it <laughs> Here they are saying literally He sexually assaults women And then they quote him even And say they let you do it Which is incredible <laughs> At least leave that quote out If you try, If you're trying to come up with a facetious attack point At least leave the quote out That actually helps the guy that you're trying to hit You know what I mean It's like Hit piece 101, man. Don't do not put in quotes that help the person you're trying to hit. You should know better by now. It's unbelievable, but apparently true. America's intensifying wealth inequality has created a class of hyper-rich men who act like cartoon villains. Bored of their soft and pampered lives, they literally turn to torturing women for fun. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> what a jump. That's like jumping to hyperspace, that segue. Well, you know, remember in 2005 where Donald Trump said he can grab women on the pussy because they let him do it? Well, this proves that America's intensifying wealth inequality has created a class of hyper-rich men who act like cartoon villains. <coughs> and, and because they're bored of their soft and pampered lives, 
they literally turn to torturing women for fun. All of them. <laughs> All of them. My first question is, um, what is it just the rich people? Because aren't a lot of um, crimes... Like, let's if we're talking about depravity as a condition of the human, of human nature, right? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't all of the like the heroin and meth slums with strip clubs and violence and rape and you know everybody f- passing around STDs? Aren't they generally in the poorer parts of town? Like, I'm not saying that rich people don't engage in this stuff. But isn't it, like, more prominent in the poorer areas? Isn't that a fair thing to say? Or are we saying now that the richer you are, the more likely it is you are to be a rapist? The more likely it is you are to live a life of depravity? (laughs) I don't understand the connection that's being made here. Like, do you remember the good old days when we used to just be weary of billionaires because they, because they had good lawyers and they could just fuck you if they wanted to, like if you were a business owner or whatever? Now you've got to be weary of business owners because they're comic, comic book cartoon villains who torture women for fun and hunt, hunt human beings for sport. Grab me, big boy, says Ducks Regionist. I don't have any money. Her. Okay, I won't sue you later. Me. Cool. <laughs> That may sound like an exaggeration, but it's not. <laughs> it's not. That may sound facetious and over the top, but it's not. I'm straight up and down with y'all. If what men like Trump, Kraft, and Epstein wanted was rare... <laughs> now Trump is in the in the realm of <laughs> Kraft and Jeffrey Epstein convicted rapist. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't believe the leap that these people make and expect to be taken seriously. The 2005 Billy Bush tape is just like being convicted of rape of underage girls, right? Am I right? It's right. It's just, it's the exact same thing, man. It is literally the same thing. Like, you know, I'm, I'm sure the girls that Jeffrey Epstein was torturing were like letting him do it too, you know. Right? You with me? If what men like Trump, Kraft, and Epstein wanted was rare and exquisite erotic experiences unavailable to the gap-wearing masses, I like that writing, that is something that they can all easily afford. As the Elliot Spitzer case from 2008 showed, there are plenty of gorgeous young women who offer consensual experiences and charge a few thousand dollars a night for the privilege. A price that, for the billionaire class, is less than the cost of a McDonald's hamburger to the rest of us. Quarter pounder, please. But women who work as highly paid ex-escorts are free to say no. Yeah, they do they though? <laughs> do they though? Do they really knock back the billionaires? I saw Pretty Woman like two weeks ago. It doesn't happen. I know the way this works. The underage girls that Epstein lured from troubled homes, the women allegedly pushed into working without pay at the orchids of Asia Day Spa, and the women Trump bragged about grabbing and kissing. What they all have in common is they can't say no. (laughs) Well, 
I think in the case of Jeffrey Epstein, they can't say no because they're basically kidnapped. Similar to the situation of the Orchids of Day Spa workers, they're, if they are indeed sex slaves, they are there against their will. Um, I think the women that Trump was grabbing on the pussy when he was rich and famous, they couldn't say no because, damn it, he was just too charming. You know what I mean? He was, he was just oozing with sexuality and money and cashish. The smell of cashish meant that women just couldn't say no to him. I think it's a very subtle but important difference to make there. One, sex slave held against their will. Two, (laughs) woman who just can't say no to you, baby. In October, Adam Serwa of The Atlantic wrote a searing essay called Cruelty is the Point, in which he argued that Trump's only real authentic pleasure is in cruelty. All of these people are experts on Trump's inner, inner thoughts, his psyches, what he really feels, what he really believes. And for his followers, cruelty towards immigrants, people of colour, towards women, towards LGBT people, towards survivors of school shootings, quote, this is, this is for the Donald Trump supporters, makes them feel good, it makes them feel proud, it makes them feel happy, it makes them feel united. You are happy sharing, your, you share your cruelty collectively and it makes you feel proud, apparently, according to Adam Sewer. In a... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> how, how do these people, like, I know some people amongst us like to brag about their superior level of empathy, right? How many times have you heard this? I have empathy. You don't have empathy. You don't know what it's like. You don't know it from my experience. You can't tell people how they're supposed to feel. Remember? You have no right to speak about this. You don't know how that person feels. How dare you? Don't be a bigot. <clears throat> but when it comes to you, they, they can tell you how you feel. Oh, you feel proud when uh, immigrants get hurt. Oh, okay. Do I? Wow. Okay. Does it make me feel happy? Yes, it makes you feel happy when, uh, you know, gay people feel sad. Oh, okay. Okay. I didn't, I didn't even know that. Thank you for filling me in. In a similar article responding to the sexual assault allegations against Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, Lily Lufborough of Slate wrote about the, quote, toxic homosociality that involves males wooing other males, other, other males over the comedy of being cruel to women. Well, everybody loves Benny Hill, let's be fair. That cruelty doesn't stop in adolescence for many men, and it's not limited to being a performance for other men either. The pleasure of dominating a woman, of knowing she can't say no, is one that's enjoyed both on its own and in the sharing of it with other men, as evidenced by Epstein's alleged sex parties or Trump laughing it up on the 2005 recording with Access Hollywood host Billy Bush. I would um, tack on another little, a little rider to that claim as well. The pleasure of dominating a woman, it's not only enjoyed by some men and sharing that experience with other men, it's also enjoyed by many women. Believe it or not. Believe it or not. If you don't think so, check the psychological survey statistics where you will find, um, you know, being dominated by a man sexually is like a big turn on for a lot of chicks, apparently. I wouldn't know, of course, because I'm a gentle lover. 
all the pleases and thank yous and crying after sex is very common. That's that's like my go-to move is to weep uncontrollably after orgasm. I find that's what really gets my girls going. The Me Too movement has done a lot to expose the realities faced by all too many women in the workplace and elsewhere from men who are eager to use their social and political power to harass, terrorise and assault women. But there's still a tendency to view this kind of male behaviour as it stems from an excess of horniness. Is horniness an official term? Is that a scientific term? I'm not sure. Bro hug for dominance, ladies. We're now, getting, we're now getting tips in the chat from the ladies. Well, sometimes I like to be dominated. Sometimes I like to dominate. <laughs> Hang on. I need to take out my notepad again. Yeah, just, okay. It's Boyd sometimes. like No, I'm just kidding. But the, the view, this male behavior stems from an excess of horniness. I don't think a doctor, I don't think a doctor's writing this. I could be wrong. As if the male desire for sex overrides pedestrian concerns like consent. Yes, because everyone, every guy is just a rapist because they suffer from an excess of horniness. Well, just the billionaires. We'll just go with the billionaires. That's safe. That's safe. I'm not ready. I'm not going to pronounce every male to be a rapist, but every every billionaire is potentially a rapist. How's that? How's that? The result is far too many people treating the solution as a matter of policing sexual desire and keeping men away from women. A solution that only punishes women more by depriving them of work opportunities and normal social life. What the hell are we supposed to do? <laughs> what the hell are you want? <laughs> what, what do you... <laughs> so you go around saying that all men are rapists. And then when men are like, well, okay, let's come up with ways to, you know police the interactions between men and women they're like you can't do that (laughs) but what is the cruel what if cruelty is the point the author asks what if the problem isn't sex but power what if the problem is there are far too many people who enjoy cruelty for its own sake and are using their wealth power and privilege to evade consequences In the same week that the judge ruled against Epstein and Acosta and Robert Kraft was arrested, the Trump administration quietly released a new rule meant to cut off contraception and safe abortion for low-income women. This rule, which defunds any contraception clinic that offers abortion referrals to shares... This this article is all over the place. Shares organisational structures with abortion clinics is, of course, being spun as pro-life. In truth, it's about using bureaucratic red tape to shut down clinics like Planned Parenthood that make contraception available to women who often have no other access to it. Well, you could like not have, you could not fuck. How about that? Since we're talking solutions, right? Have you ever heard of doing that? Not fucking? Have you heard of that before as a solution? Shit, I can't get a condom. What am I going to do? Ah, well. I don't, I don't, I'm at a loss. I've got no idea. Oh no, honey, honey. I can't get, I can't get to, what do you have no, (laughs) such garbage. Poor women who don't have uh, contraception available. They have no access to contraception. What the fuck are you talking about? Take me to any truck stop and I will buy you a condom for a dollar. One dollar at a truck stop or at a, you know, a gas station somewhere, go into the bathroom. It's probably filthy. 
There's a little machine in there. You put the dollar in, ching, out spits the prophylactic. So just in case you can't manage that, just in case that's that's a bridge too far. Well, I, I guess we're just going to have to ramp up the abortion process. <laughs> How about not? How about not getting dicked in the first place? Have you ever considered that? Think of save. Think of the money you'll save on contraception. Trump was doing this at the same time that he made excuses for his buddy Kraft's behaviour, saying that the arrest was very sad and that Kraft had proclaimed his innocence. I don't see an excuse in there. Might have to redefine what an excuse is. Trump uses this line often, showcasing his conviction that reality should be determined by what powerful men say. <laughs> I mean, it's it's almost it's it's like we're speaking different languages now. You know what I mean? Mr. Trump, Mr. Trump, what do you think of uh, your friend, Mr. Kraft, getting arrested? Well, I, th- I think it's very sad, and he said he's innocent, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. And then somebody jumps on the internet and says, This is a tactic used by Donald Trump very often, and it shows his belief that he thinks reality should be determined by what powerful men say it is. Like, <laughs> <laughs> What? Like, I, I'm looking around. It's like, did you hear that? I didn't hear that. It's unreality. It, 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 I tell you what, I, I, at this point, I would rather reality be defined by rich men who just say very sad and, you know, he said he's innocent, rather than the person who gets out of that, that this proves that Donald Trump wants to control reality and reality is what he says it is. Because one is closer to reality, I think, than the other. <laughs> So if we're, if we're choosing people to define reality for us, I'm afraid I'm going to have to give you a miss. Because your version of reality, I can't keep up. Reality is whatever you say it is. Literally what you say it is. This is the reality. The reality is what I say it is. And then Donald Trump wants to control reality. The, the contrast between these seemingly unrelated stories is sobering. Wealthy men accused of abusing women sexually get Trump's sympathy. <laughs> wealthy men oh you mean this one do do we have to explain what a plural is really can we not can we not understand the difference between a singular and more than one like fundamental breakdowns of language here happening articulation is very poor now i understand that but surely we can do better than that like, even if you were writing, if you wanted to take this angle, which I think is obscene and farcical and like a, a bit of a joke, but even if you wanted to take this angle, you don't have to lie. You don't have to say wealthy men accused of abusing women sexually get Trump's sympathy, but you only mention one guy. So just just be honest. Just be honest. Even if you are being insane, say... This wealthy man accused of abusing women gets Trump's sympathy. That'll do. That's fine. Nobody can take an issue with that. But once you start changing, you know, one into all or all into none and just doing these ridiculous, like, hack, hack, hack hit job routines, I mean, your, your writing becomes like Swiss cheese. You just hold it up and count the holes. 
But low-income women who want to have healthy, consensual sex are being punished. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's a glimpse into the world that Trump is trying to create, where the privileged can do whatever they want and be as cruel as they want, while everyone else is literally deprived of even the basic right to bodily autonomy. Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Just do do keep in mind, though, um, that the privilege doesn't only extend to billionaires when it suits us. Because by this time tomorrow, uh, the poor white guy who's missing teeth, who walks with a limp, who, you know, shovels shit for a living, he'll have privilege too. And the person typing up this claptrap in the office, in the air-conditioned office, behind an expensive computer, not getting paid much, to be fair, but getting paid more than most... Well, they're they're the they're the oppressed. They're the ones being punished. Ladies and gentlemen, Donald Trump trying to control reality, trying to turn the world into a place where cruel, privileged, rich men can punish poor women sexually. I, I tend to think what's changed, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. That was now you face the shredder. So, like I said, with the Michael Cohen thing, I'll catch up on your comments. Jeff Bezos isn't Trump's friend, says Kevin. <laughs> there seems to be a lot of hugs and tugs going on there, yes. The left knows Epstein is a dem, right? Nexium 2, says the owner and CEO of TAVshow.com, Jaser. The absolute rage at not being rich and famous of this journal is super subtle minus the whole article. Yeah, there is a there is a bit of jealousy, I think. Salon is written by jealous queens in San Francisco, says Millennial Mum. So, like I said, uh, the Cohen thing missed the mark. It was pretty bad. He didn't give a good performance of himself. <clears throat> that was torture. <laughs> that now that now that was torture, says Karen. <laughs> Being dominated sexually by a rich man, yeah, yeah. But that article, oh man, that was like my brain was getting fucking raped. My intelligence was raped by that article. And nobody even grabbed me on the pussy. Okay. So like I said, the Cohen thing was pretty bad. Um, the need is to now redirect the intended fury of Michael Cohen that he didn't provide. He didn't provide the fodder. He didn't provide the ammo <coughs> that the somewhat superfluous to our needs opinion journos and op-ed writers and talking heads and members of the commentariat are going to need in order to prosecute a public case to get a groundswell of support for impeachment and chip away at Donald Trump's support base. That's the play here, right? That's the play. Um, people are going to say, well, you know, we can impeach him because of this thing or this thing or this thing. Really, it won't matter. You can impeach for anything, really. Um, the, the individual things aren't what matter. And popular, they don't want to try to impeach a popular president. So this is all about trying to bring down his popularity to try and get a groundswell of support for impeachment so they can prosecute the case in the public. And then the elected representatives whose job is on the line, if they vote against what people want, can feel more secure voting for an impeachment because they think that the population isn't going to kick them out at the next election. Similar to what happened to the GOP when they tried to impeach Bill Clinton, right? It didn't work out well for the Republicans trying to impeach Bill Clinton. 
and they got smashed at the next election. So the Democrats would be trying to avoid that. Democrats as old as the hills like Chuck Schumer, Maxine Waters, Nancy Pelosi, they would remember those days. But they have to try and placate the sinister urges of the, you know, the more energetic amongst them in their ranks who just are like, impeach, impeach, you know, frothing at the mouth with full-blown TDS. So they're going to try and redirect away from Michael Cohen because his performance was so poor into like old, I call it old trusty. Old trusty. Let's check out old trusty. Let's check out the redirection. Here you go. Here's the news story, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, all of you, for centering this committee on our sole purpose um, is exposing the truth. And some of my colleagues can't handle the truth, and this is unfortunate because it's the center of... You can handle the truth! ...of what is protecting our country right now. The people at home are frustrated, Mr. Cohen, and they want criminal schemes to stop, especially those from the Oval Office. Mr. Cohen, I am upset and know that my residents feel the same way, that a man you worked for for the past 10 years is using the most powerful position in the world to hurt our country solely for personal gain. <laughs> we are upset that some of our colleagues here are so disconnected of what, me what it means to have this president of the United States sending checks to cover bribe payments, not hush payments, bribe payments bribe. he made on his behalf. <laughs> To be honest, I kind of agree with the Democrats, to be fair. To be fair. Um, in regards to Stormy Daniels, he should have just come out, like, first day and said, yeah, I fucked her. <laughs> and she was terrible, you know? She, she had no imagination. I grabbed her on the pussy and she let me do it. Double down at this point. It, it, like I said, it doesn't make any difference. The truth, the truth doesn't matter. He's going to say that he had conversations and then this particular this particular payment on this particular form means this, but he can't prove it. There's no evidence to prove it. He even said so himself. Well, Donald, they're like, what about a paper trail? Where's, where's an email? Where's a text message? Donald Trump doesn't have emails. He doesn't have text message. I mean, he can't even prove that Donald Trump made him do it. And by his own words, he's like, well, Donald Trump didn't directly tell me, but I kind of got the feeling that that's what he wanted me to do. And it's like, whoa, whoa, cut, 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 cut. Like if you were writing a crime drama, this is the point where the editor would put like a big line through your work and go, what? No, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. Uh, for, it to be a, for, for it to be a feasible crime drama with a followable storyline, he actually has to have some kind of evidence of, you know, the president making him do it. You, you know, just thinking you know what the president is thinking isn't going to cut it, bro. You realize that, right? And that's what I mean. Like, the reality doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So if if you're being objective about this, like I am, by saying, you know, saying you know what somebody is thinking and then acting on that thought doesn't constitute being pressured into doing something. People don't care anymore about the truth. They don't care anymore about the reality. So they'll just say, well, of course he knew what Donald Trump wanted him to do. There's no difference. Donald Trump made him do it even if he didn't say so. And, but Because they don't care. Like I said in the opening, like whether he, I think he was 
I think he was saying the truth at some points. He was probably manipulating the truth at other points, and he was probably just flat out lying at other points. But 95% of that, none of us are ever going to know because it was personal to him and whoever was there at the time. So there's really no point arguing the truth value of any of the individual statements. So that's why we have things like evidence and the burden of proof to begin with. So people can't just come out and say shit like, well, you know, his wizardry. I was mesmerized by Donald Trump. He mesmerized me and his power. And, you know, he telepathically sent me messages about lying to Congress. And so I did. And it's all his fault. Like, <laughs> and when you see people like, <clears throat> when you see people repeating these talking points in the press, you know, they think that you're five years old. They think that you're a toddler. Either they're a toddler or they think you are. But either way, it's insulting. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's insulting to the reality. So let's carry on with the unreality. So we have to redirect away from that now and turn it into something else. One in 2017 of March and another August 2017 after he was sworn in as president. Yep. They are upset that while my colleagues are trying to discredit your testimony by some of your own unlawful acts and lies, that they are disconnected with the fact that you ah. were the personal lawyer ah. for this president of the United States, that this president chose you as his legal counsel. See, look, I'm, My stance is I'm going to be brutally honest with you here. Donald Trump, the billionaire playboy, I wanted, I was looking for, I want dirt. Like, I wanted evidence of Donald Trump banging like 10 playboy playmates and piles of cocaine on the bed and you know, I've got a I've got a video recording here of Donald Trump dancing around in his underwear while, you know, five thousand dollar a night hookers are pouring him drinks and shit. Like that's what I want. I want that. Cause then I'm gonna be like, well, at least he knows how to spend his money. He knows how to have a good time, right? If anything, this 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 whole testimony makes Trump look pretty boring. <laughs> like what? One affair with a with a porn star? That's it? It's like God. He's he's got to be like the he's got to be the least chauvinist, the least sexual predatory uh, billionaire of all time at this point. <laughs> Apparent apparently, most of the women who find themselves in intimate moments with the now president, then citizen Donald Trump, apparently they're quite happy. <laughs> there are there are no piles of cocaine. There are no sex romps on, you know, Caribbean islands. Where's where's the good shit, Mike? Come on, Michael. Bring some heat. You've got the whole country's attention now. And what does he what does he come at, what does he come at you with? Well, Donald Trump said some racist things. He's a he's a bad man. He's a very bad man. And you know, he's he's not very generous. And I am generous. I, I always do things to help people. And Donald Trump doesn't help anybody except himself. And 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 he had sex with uh with Stormy Daniels. And and you know, he's he's a bad man. He's a very bad man. <laughs> oh, no, <I'm> like, and <laughs> come on, man. Get to the sexy shit. And I was like, there is no sexy shit. I'm like everybody's we're wasting he's wasting everybody's time. It's like he still thinks he's a lawyer, so he can charge by the hour. Because all of we're all watching for like four hours, and I feel like I got fucked by a lawyer. 
Do you know what I mean? That everybody who watched this hearing got fucked by a lawyer again. It's like, even when the lawyer is going to prison, he can still fuck everybody. I mean, <laughs> there's no escaping it. We can't win. <laughs> Always been the same, Mr. Chairman, based on the facts, not on future reports that we're all waiting on. My residents back home don't need a collusion cause with a foreign government to know this president, individual one, has disregarded individual the law one. of the land, the United States Constitution, and that he has misused his pardon powers. Okay. In the sentencing memo, Mr. Cohen, filed by the federal prosecutors in New York in December of last year, they stated, quote, in particular, and as Cohen himself has now admitted, with respect to both payments, he acted in coordination with and at the direction of individuals. Just for the guy using the draft dodging coward, that one's been around for about three years. It's kind of stale. And to be fair, I prefer if you are going to use like meme type uh, one-liners, Somebody else, one of your comrades came up with something far better. Uh, Captain Bone Spurs. I think that's a good one. That's a, that's a winner. I would also go with Agent Orange as like a military style slur for the draft dodging coward. But, you know, if you want to stick with draft dodging coward, but I think it's time has come and gone. I'm just giving you like an objective, you know, editor's note here. I'm giving you notes. <laughs> Consider this a focus group. So I would definitely go, I would prefer Captain Bone Spurs followed by Agent Orange. And then if you must, if you run out of ideas after those two, um, by all means, stick with Draft Dodging Coward. But it just doesn't have the impact. You know what I mean? It's not catchy. It's not sexy. Mr. Cohen, as you know, President Donald J. Trump, brand comes first, not the American people. See, brand comes based first. On what you know now, based on what we know now, is that individual one used his money, businesses, and platform to enrich, to enrich himself, his brand, and then the process directed you, Mr. Cohn, to commit multiple... Fen another, another indication that truth doesn't matter. Everybody knows that he's lost money. Like, he's lost a billion dollars. Now, I'm not crying crocodile tears for people who have the ability to lose a billion dollars and still be rich. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, say so what? The guy lost a billion dollars. Boo fucking who? Um... But they say he's personally enriching himself when we know that's plainly false. That's just a that's a plain untruth. But again, you don't you these people don't have to qualify anything. It, it doesn't it, like it. There are so many better ways to attack Donald Trump on stuff. And I just don't know why they don't do it. Like seriously, you've had months and months and months and months to school Michael Cohen to sit him down if, if, if you were giving him tips about, like, the best way to come at this. And he, like, I'll be honest with you, I thought the Republicans, for the most part, were terrible because attacking his credibility is kind of dumb. Everybody knows that he's got no credibility, right? So trying to go after him personally about taxes and stuff, what they should have focused on is just the bullshit holes in his story. It's like, hang on, well, so are you saying that Donald Trump made you do it? Yes, but Donald Trump didn't actually make you do it. Well, no. And just hammer shit like that. So I think they missed a trick there. But anyway, because it, it, it just looks like they're hounding him. You know what I mean? And then it gives um, oxygen to people who say, he's, he's admitted guilt. He's pled guilty. Leave the guy alone. He's already pled guilty to this. What are you bringing it up for? It's not fair. So... I'd rather not make it easy, you know. But putting that to one side, it, 
people around Michael Cohen, if the aim is, which we all suspect, let's be honest here, it is politics. We're not living in a fucking fairy tale. So I'm sure, you know, um, agendas are at play here to and fro. If you've got months and months to sit down with Michael Cohen and school him, like surely you can come up. If if in his opening statement, he was like, Donald Trump is a racist. As soon as I heard that, as soon as I heard Donald Trump is a racist, I knew it's over. Like that's it. That is the bottom of the barrel. They have tapped the well. The well is dry. They are pouring sand into their mouths now. Collapsing in the desert of obscurity. I'm a good guy. I like to do good things for people, but I made some bad decisions with Donald Trump. And he's a racist. I was like, well, that's it. It's over. He's done. (laughs) Book and movie deal. Yeah, exactly. He'll, He'll get a book deal when he comes out. When he comes out of jail. If he comes out. If he makes it out, I'm not sure. See what happens. See, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I got a guy who knows a guy. No, fennel. I mean, Michael Cohen would want to hope that it's not true that uh, you know people say that Donald Trump has all of these criminal underworld mafia connections. I would, I would sincerely hope on Michael Cohen's behalf that that is not true. <laughs> because otherwise, um, you know, prison might be a little. He might be doing some hard time. You know what I mean? But let's carry on. Felonies, and you covered it up, correct? That's correct. You called it protecting his brand. Sam, thanks for joining us. Correct. Good to see you again. And him as well. Mr. Cohen, with this, do you think the President of the United States is making decisions in the best interest of the American people? No, I don't. Especially those you said that he used horrible words. <laughs> this is like... Mr. Cohen, do you think the president is making decisions in the best interest of the American people? Who fucking cares what he thinks? <laughs> like, it's like he's doing a phone survey. You know what I mean? Somebody calls you up, usually when you're making dinner. Usually when you're either making dinner or sitting down to dinner. And they'll get you on the phone and I'll say, I'd like to ask you a few questions about the, about the president or about, you know, this political party. And you say, okay, sure, I've got a few minutes. I wish you wouldn't call it dinner time, but that's fine. I do my civic duty over here in this motherfucker. And they say, you know, do you think the president is working in the best interests of the American people? Well, no, I don't. This is a congressional hearing. (laughs) It's not a phone poll. I think you'll find if you dig into the numbers, like the CNN poll that was released after this that said, is Donald Trump working in the best interest of the American people? 0.00001% of those respondents belong to Michael Cohen. Just so you know. <laughs> it's about like African-Americans, Muslim-Americans and immigrants. He said bad words, yes. Yes. Just to make a note, Mr. Chairman, just because someone has a person of color, a black person working for them, does not mean they aren't racist. And it is insensitive <laughs> that some would even say... It's the fact that someone would actually use a prop, a black woman in this chamber, in this committee. Even Cohen's like, oh, my, did she just fucking say that? Look at him. (laughs) Did she just call a black woman a prop to her face? Gee, isn't that kind of racist? Isn't that kind of racist? Rashid? (laughs) Rashida? Like the lack, the total lack of self-reflection here is just, it never ceases to amaze me, right? 
Like these racist Republicans bring in a prop. I mean, a black woman. (laughs) (laughs) You fucking idiot. (laughs) To (laughs) To the point where even the guy who's getting grilled by the Congress is like, what the fuck? Did you hear that? <laughs> you know, President Donald Trump says bad words about black people all the time, including this black woman, this prop, this prop over here. I mean, look at this prop. Look at her. <laughs> She's black. He says bad things about props all the time. <laughs> Let's go to one of my favourites for her take, Brooke Baldwin. Dun, dun. As those headlines were coming fast and furious out of that Michael Cohen hearing, something else extraordinary happened on Capitol Hill. In an effort to make the point that there is no way President Trump can be racist, Republican Congressman Mark Meadows of North Carolina, a a Trump ally, had a woman by the name of Lynn Patton take the stage. Patton uh, is an African-American associate of the Trump family who now works uh, for HUD, that's the Department of Housing and Urban Development, Uh, and Congressman Meadows went on to say this about her. As a daughter of a man born in Birmingham, Alabama, that there is no way she way down in Alabama who was racist. Now, several of Meadows' Democratic colleagues took him to task throughout Whoa, the rest of the hearing. Uh, Congresswoman uh, Brenda Lawrence and Ayanna Presley called She's him She's from out, Birmingham, Birmingham. Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib who went the farthest. She's just a prop. Just because someone has a person of color, a black person working for them, does not mean they aren't racist. And it is insensitive. That someone even say it's the fact that someone would actually use a prop, a black woman in this chamber, in this committee. I like I like it because um, these people use people as props all the all the fucking time, man. Uh, do you remember a few weeks ago, Ocasio-Cortez, um, she was giving a press conference for something, something. She, she does a lot of press conferences. I can't keep up. And I forget what it was, but she actually got angry at the news agencies for not sending enough black people. Do you remember that? Like, next time, bring some more black people down here. Just so you know, just so you're not racist. (laughs) I like Lucifer Sam's take. I I would agree with you. If I was a Democrat, that's exactly what I'd be saying. Who cares if he's racist? There's more important things to discuss. (laughs) 100%. But the reason that they're saying that he's, you know, the reason that they're turning it into the racist thing is because they couldn't, they couldn't get anything out of the rest of, you know, the Boy Scout Cohen's hideous testimony to make stories. They have to make new, they have to make news out of something. I mean, shit, man, people have got to eat. Is alone racist in itself. I ask that her words, when she's referring to an individual member of this body, be taken down and stricken from the record. I'm sure she didn't intend to do this, but if anyone knows my record as it relates, it should be you, Mr. Chairman. Chairman, I, I, I would like to... Hold on. I want the words read no, no, back. No, 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 no. I, I've no, defended no, no, no. you no, at, no, about, with false accusations. Mr. Meadows, I'm the chair. Yes, sir, you are. Thank That's you. Right. I will clear this up. Mr. Chairman, there's nothing more personal to me in my relationship, my nieces and nephews are people of color. Not many people know that. You know that, Mr. Chairman. And to indicate 
that I asked someone who is a personal friend of the, the Trump family, who has worked for him, who knows this particular individual, that she's coming in to be a prop, it's racist to suggest that I ask her to come in here for that reason. It's an emotional moment for... Comment in the chat. Cohen said the draft-dodging trader. Okay, you don't have to take me up on my advice, but that's cool. Uh, threatened schools not to release his grades. Yeah, Cohen said a lot of things. He also said he was mesmerized by Donald Trump to act on his behalf without any direction whatsoever, like some kind of voodoo spell. So, you know, <laughs> he, says, he said a lot of things, bro. <laughs> he didn't say enough juicy shit, to be fair. Congressman Meadows clearly, but he put Chairman Elijah Cummings in an incredibly uncomfortable situation, essentially. <laughs> now, if you blinked, you would have missed that. See, Mark Meadows, the guy being accused of being a racist because he brought out a prop. Props to the prop, by the way. She propped that shit up. I tell you, got to give her props. Um, He's accused of bringing a prop, so therefore he's a racist. And he says to Elijah Cummings, hey, you know that I'm not a racist, so you got to do something about this or what? And now he's accused of being a racist because he put a black guy into a into a bad position <laughs> as the chairman of the committee. <laughs> I love this shit too when people say, just because you've got a black friend doesn't mean you're not a racist. And I'm like, well, okay, cool. I have a friend who's a friend with a racist then. <laughs> Go jump in a river. <laughs> How many racists can put their hand up and say that they have a black friend who is friends with them even though they're a racist? I can. There you go. Can you say that? Are you charming and charismatic enough to be a racist and still have black people that want to be friends with you? No. Pfft. Sucks to be you. Sucks to be you, Brooke. Just because you have black friends doesn't mean you're not a racist. Okay. I have black friends who like being friends with racists. There you go. Figure that one out in sociology class. He's saying, hey, you're my black friend. Tell them I'm not racist. Congresswoman Tlaib further explained that moment on CNN. I apologize if it made him feel like I was calling him a racist. I was asked. I was asked <laughs> See what they do. I apologize if it made him feel like. <laughs> I apologize if it made him feel like I was calling him a racist. <laughs> Gets better. That moment, you know, as a person, as a mother, this is a teachable moment. Please don't teach your children this. <laughs> you know, as a person, as a mother, you don't have to say as a person, like, we know you're a person. I think. I think. People identify as whole whole range of, um, you know, entities on the spectrum these days. It's very fluid. So you don't have to say as a person, I think this. Well, okay, we're not asking a chicken, you know. I'm not asking a lamp. So we'll just assume that you're a person for the sake of brevity. But as a mother, like, what the hell does that have to do with anything? You know, you know, as a mother, I think that he's a piece of shit. <laughs> as a mother, I think the moon is made of feta cheese. As a mother, I think communism is fucking outrageously good. 
Like, as a mother. <laughs> One day, people aren't going to have uh, a lot of letters behind their name, like a professor of such and such. I have a doctorate in such and such. No, it's just going to say, as a mother. Today, I'm giving a lecture as a mother. Oh, this will be good. This will be interesting. Let's carry on with Rashida. Uh, for me, I used that moment to say, just FYI, that was not the FYI. way to do it. Uh, and it was not at all called. Just, just FYI. <laughs> OMG, LOL, just FYI, ICMY, I, OMG for the LGBT and the POC community, FYI, LOL. It's like, thanks, thanks for the interview. Rashida Tlaib, dropping truth bombs. Mr. Meadows a racist. I really, if I wanted to, everybody knows this, I'm pretty direct. Yeah. I would have done that, but yeah. I, that's not what was my intention. It was my intention to, to educate, to share what? Uh, to educate, to share, to call um, some black woman a prop while she was standing there. <laughs> you called somebody, you literally called somebody a prop akin to a piece of stage furniture at the theatre. Like, not a real... You, you've got the audacity, Rashida, to say, you know, as a person, but then you called a person a prop, which is not a person. Let's have a look. Let's have a look and see. Let's see what the prop has got to say for herself. And she joins us now to tell us exactly what happened. We saw you yesterday during the hearing. You were standing up yes. behind Mark Meadows. Why mm -hmm. was it important for you to be there and look your former friend, Michael Cohen, in the eye? Well, look, I am so fired up to be here right now. I want to thank you guys for having me. The first thing I want to say is that I was not there to represent an entire race of people. I was there to represent one man, one man who never mind having the lowest unemployment rate for blacks, minorities. Um. I like the comment in the chat in regards to Rashida Tlaib. We need more politicians like her. Well, all you have to do is fucking vote them in. Good luck. <laughs> Hispanics, women. Good luck with that. Also gave $32 million. Good luck more getting more of those administration in. To historically black colleges and universities. Gave the largest federal disaster grant to Puerto Rico. You know, just passed the uh, most comprehensive prison reform bill in three decades. Um, pardoning more people with disparate uh, sentences than any other president in history. Um, he's also uh, just created an urban council that's going to funnel $100 billion of capital into urban and rural communities um, through opportunity zones. You know, he, he just made... Comment in the chat by OC Mike. Thanks for joining us. Conservative blacks are less than human. I needed to educate people about that, Rashida Tlaib. <laughs> At Medgar Evers' uh, home, a civil rights uh, historic monument. Props or not, Jennifer Briggs says, props or not, those are some banging boots. That, you know, the American public doesn't hear right. enough about. And yeah, because Congressman, My uh, excuse me, uh, Michael Cohen, who has been an attorney for years, said between them, he's heard racist comments come out of the president about black leaders never have prosperous countries and they all preside over a you know, horrible nation. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Uh, mean, the president does not. You mean shitholes. You meant to say shitholes, right? You're allowed to say shithole on TV now, we've discovered. Remember CNN, MSNBC? Shithole, 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 shithole for a week. And then somebody called somebody else a bitch and they're like, well, I don't think we can say that. <laughs> the color, race, creed, religion. What he sees is success and failure. And whether that manifests itself as a person, a place, a property, a restaurant, a TV show, a policy... Um, you know, a country, a community. 
he makes no differentiation. And so to me, uh, that's what makes people uncomfortable, is that he doesn't care what people think, and he's going to tell it like it is. Uh ah, damn. He sees success and failure. And he doesn't make any distinction. But don't you see? Don't you see, ladies and gentlemen? He should make distinctions because, you know, some people, when they fail, well, it's the fault of rich white men like Donald Trump. Uh, let's go to the play here, the play from the Democrats. I don't know who this Democrat is. This is the first time I've actually seen this Democrat. I forget where he's from. They'll tell us. Sleepy-eyed son of a bitch will tell us. Um, this Democrat actually just says exactly what the plan is. <laughs> I wonder if Nancy Pelosi or somebody else got him after this interview and thought, what the, said to him, what the hell do you think you're doing? What the hell do you think you're doing telling everybody what the plan is? Don't tell everybody what the plan is. We need to keep the plan secret. But look, check this guy out. He just he just straight out comes out and tells you what, you know, I've been telling you for a long time, you know, trust and verify on Sunday nights. We've been going over this for a long time, like the point of these investigations, the point of the point of the theater that you saw yesterday with uh, Michael Cohen. There there is a point to it. And this guy just comes out and tells you straight out what it is. Democratic Fantastic. Congressman Jerry Conley, a Jerry member Conley. of the House Oversight Committee, who Jerry. was part of the questioning of Jerry. Michael Cohen yesterday. Congressman, Jerry. nice to see you, Jerry. sir. Much appreciated. Uh, let me start. Uh, last night, you said to Lawrence O'Donnell that the president, it appears the president committed a crime. Yes. Uh, <laughs> let me just put it up the Constitution here. Impeachment Article 2, Section 4. The President, Vice President, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Okay. Obviously, the Constitution has a way to handle when a sitting president commits a crime. Do you feel as if you are almost duty-bound to follow the Constitution? Duty. Or should the political argument about whether the country can handle impeachment be a part of this process? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, clearly, I took an oath to uphold the Constitution of the United States, and I take that very seriously. I think we are we moving into territory that is very perilous for the president and okay. cannot be ignored by the Congress. Okay. However, we also have to build a case. Yes. That's what happened in Watergate. It took almost two years uh, between the first hearings and ultimate action. Uh, and so uh, you can't rush to judgment. You've got to have a methodical evidence-based process that persuades the American people that this kind of action may, net, may be in our future. Uh, Do you see what he said there? <clears throat> Do you see what he said there? You have to persuade the American people that this kind of action may be in their future. Chip, 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 chip away, right? Generally, with like evidence-based situations, you know, even impeachment, you have to convince the people who are voting to impeach or, you know, a judge of some kind. This is a PR campaign, ladies and gentlemen. This is a PR campaign to attempt to suppress popularity of sitting pre hey I, this is exactly what i would do if i was a democrat too you know what i mean it's it's the the actual the actual truth that you can grab in your hand and touch and feel that that doesn't mean that doesn't matter as much as what people think politics is a popularity contest after all and for those who pine over 
you know, certain politicians, you know, here's another truthism for you. Politicians will only go after people for criminal stuff when that person is unpopular. Do you know why? If you go after somebody who's popular and try to paint them as a criminal or corrupt or something like that, what ends up happening is you get fucked, not the person you're going after. And it won't even matter the amount of evidence that you have. It doesn't matter how good your case is. If you try to prosecute somebody who is very popular, the voters will come down on you, not on them. So that's why he's saying, you know, we need to persuade the public that this kind of action may be in their future. We need the public to believe that he's corrupt. We need the public to believe he's a criminal before we actually do anything about it. Because actually, here's here's the other thing. If there was like, <clears throat> if there was hard evidence on record right now, he would be gone already, right? If there if there was that evidence, if there was that smoking gun, it this would already be over. the The line that he used, like, oh well, you know, it took two years, blah blah blah. Donald Trump is easily the most hated president of all time in some in some ways he's the most loved as well if you know what i mean like don't get me wrong but by those who are opposed to him he there is a visceral dripping distilled hate and do you think at any time at any level if they have the hard evidence you say they have the evidence Michael Cohen sat in a testimony, my friend, for four hours and spoke about how Donald Trump is a racist. So, no, they don't. If they did, they would have it already. <clears throat> this is about persuading people without strong evidence. Because strong evidence speaks for itself. If you need to convince people then you haven't got something that's good enough to do it for you. Let's go to the big, the big story. That wasn't the big story of the Cohen hearings. I've got another one for you. Another truly bombshell. Bombshell. Are you ready for a firestorm bombshell big story? Wait till you see this, my friends. Wait till you see this. Democratic lawmaker goes viral for epic eye roll during Cohen hearing. Wow. Whoa. Did you see how she owned? She owned Jim Jordan with this fucking epic eye roll. They have the evidence. He's going to get impeached. Slate.com. Democratic lawmaker goes viral with epic eye roll. Yep. Solid. Solid stuff here. Rep Stacey Plaskett, the non-voting delegate, so she doesn't even get to vote, for the US Virgin Islands in the House of Representatives found unlikely internet fame Wednesday for her obviously annoyed reaction to Republican Jim Jordan from Ohio. Plaskett was clearly irritated at Jordan, a staunch defender of President Donald Trump, who tried as hard as he could to question Michael Cohen and diminish the value of his testimony Wednesday. Well, that's his job. At one point, Jordan characterized Cohen as the patsy for the Democrats, Yet it seems like Plaskett's breaking point was when Jordan complained about not getting a copy of Cohen's opening statement in advance. 
I have a simple motion, Mr. Chairman, Jordan said, and that's when Plaskett turned around and looked in his direction, delivering what many on social media characterised as an eye roll of epic proportions. Oh, how can you ever recover from this? Some say Plaskett could be seen mouthing, be quiet. <laughs> Do you want to see this epic eye roll? Let's have a look at the epic eye roll. I just have a roll. simple motion, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. It's a regular order to have the testimony Excuse 24 me. hours in advance. Oh, look at that. Look at that epic eye roll. Woo! Motherfucker got owned. Yeah. Props. Let's give props to Miss Plaskett for that epic eye roll. By the way, we hate using people as props. Check out Miss Plaskett's non-verbal communication. Stacey Plaskett is all of us looking at Jim Jordan, the last person who should address anyone's character, tweeted the Atlantic's Jameel Hill. Do you want? I need to see that epic eye roll, that epic takedown one more time. Let's have a look one more time. I just have a simple motion, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. It's a regular order to have the testimony 24 hours in advance. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Slam. Got him. Got him there. An eye roll, an epic one, that's enough for me. I'm going blue. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm a Democrat now, says people in the chat. An epic eye roll. Props for that eye roll. All right. Do you want to keep on racism? I've got something fun for you. That might be fun. I don't know. I haven't watched it yet. Let's stay on racism for a little while. Um, let's see why these Gucci clothes are racist. More, more billionaires using props to sell their racist propaganda, ladies and gentlemen. When this model walked down the runway in Gucci's 2018 fall winter show, there was no major uproar. In fact, this turtleneck is being sold. <laughs> for the record, for me, the most offensive part isn't that it's like a black um, top with, you know, big red lips. The most offensive part for me is by Gucci, eight hundred and ninety fucking dollars. Wow, that that is truly offensive. Eight hundred and ninety dollars for this hideous top. Who's buying this shit? <laughs> I'm not concerned about the racism angle. I'm concerned about people buying this. Like, what is wrong with you? Nine hundred dollars for this? They're insane. <laughs> I couldn't care less about people saying, oh, it's blackface and stuff like that. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. I only care that somebody's got the fucking balls. Like, they must carry their balls around in a wheelbarrow to put $900 price tag on this hideous top. They must have balls the size of, you know, Ayers Rock. It's like, nah, slap, slap 900, slap nine hungy on this thing. People will pay for it. They'll pay for it because I'm Gucci and they'll do what I tell them to. <laughs> Eight hundred ninety dollars to buy. Hide your face, Salvatore. Exactly. You can get a balaclava for ten bucks. Get a balaclava, wax some red paint on the lips part. You're good to go. Ten dollars. If you want something like this, I can make you one for ten bucks right now. I'll only charge you fifty. For nearly a year, but it's not just a simple turtleneck. There's something more sinister. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Hanson in the chat calls it the Northern Collection. <laughs> ...that this turtleneck portrays. 
Even if the creators weren't Jussie should have bought one. Claim, Look at this there guy. There have been countless examples of big fashion brands being accused of racism. Being accused? Gucci is being accused of profit. <laughs> you, know, you know the fashion world has tipped over the edge when they're putting this shit out, putting like $900 price tags on that sucker. I, 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 don't, I don't even know. They may as well walk down the runway in a fucking potato sack at this point. What's the difference? Everyone will go, oh, that's brilliant. That's, br- that's visionary. How did they come up with that? How did they come up with this genius? I don't even know. For people listening to the podcast, it's basically like, it's like half of a balaclava that you pay 10 times as much for. So it's the bottom half of your face is covered and there's an opening for your mouth and there's like a big red stitching around the mouth part. So they're saying, of course, oh, it's blackface and stuff. I, I, again, I don't think it's blackface. I just think it's incredibly bad. <laughs> I just think it's hideous and, and overpriced. Putting from blackface, Montclair released a line that some say resembles the harmful Sambo stereotype. Katy Perry released shoes that resemble blackface. <laughs> the shoes? Prada produced the... God. These are supposed to be like the big wigs, the big movers and shakers, the big cheeses, the big dicks of the fashion industry. These are the people that are trying to tell us what's cool. Do you believe it? Do you fucking believe it? I think I'm wearing I'm wearing a Marvel shirt that's got, you know, different Marvel characters on it. I think I paid like 15 bucks for it. I think I'll stick with the Marvel shirt. Then whatever whatever the hell this is, <laughs> I don't even know what it's supposed to be. Looks like some keychain or something that you hang off your chest. Wow. Looks like modern combat five character. <laughs> Can we get a mammy teapot? <laughs> this black monkey with exaggerated red lips. And these are just some of the face? examples. A noose necklace. The offending items are usually removed from stores after the brands face backlash from consumers. But it begs the question: Why exactly are these items racist? I think I I can't remember who it was. I think it was Mike in the chat last week. OC Mike, who was saying, who came up with a theory, and I thought it was brilliant. Came up with a theory. They release these like controversial things to draw attention to the brand. So they can then remove those items. They can virtue signal about racism. And then like that that gets more eyeballs on all of the other products that they're trying to sell in that line. I think that's I think he's on the money. That makes total sense. Sambo was a term used to describe black people during slavery. In 1899, a children's book, The Story of Little Black Sambo, helped solidify the derogatory caricature of dark-skinned children. The resemblance of some of high fashion's hot items is striking. And this image didn't stop with the drawings. White actors would paint their faces black and leave large outlines around the mouth to imitate having full lips. This is how blackface was born. In the 1800s, Blackface was heavily prominent in the form of minstrel shows. To be clear, this was not a form of flattery. It was very clearly done to mock black culture and to portray black people as inferior or unintellectual. 
Minstrel shows shaped the nation's views on race and reinforced white superiority well after the abolition of slavery. Although the blackface minstrel shows gradually disappeared, this form of entertainment had a major influence over vaudeville, radio, television, motion picture, and world music industries. Of <laughs> years and years and years ago, there's a family variety show here in Australia called, um, well, it was, it was on it was on TV for like 30 years, I think, called Hey, Hey, It's Saturday. And it's probably been scrubbed from the internet now because we don't have the same history here that you guys have with this stuff. So, you know, if you if you say Al Jolson here, people will start singing Mammy. They won't say, how dare you, you're disgusting racist, you're suppressing black people. It doesn't work like that. So these guys did a routine in blackface and they were like like a like a talent show kind of thing, a cheesy talent show portion of this show, Hey, Hey, It's Saturday, where average people go on and do like an act for two minutes and they get votes and shit and they win a couple of hundred bucks. So one of the guests, uh, the guest hosts, like the guest judges on this show was Harry Connick Jr. And these guys came out in blackface and sung a little song and everyone was cheering and laughing and singing along. And it gets to Harry Connick Jr. and he's like, he's distraught. He's He can't even speak. He's, he's doing like, I just can't even. You know, this was like 15 years ago or something. He's like, oh, you know, that's just, it's just so, I can't believe like I've just, what I've seen, it's it's just so bad. It's so racist and like, it's so offensive. And I, I don't, I can't, I just can't even, I, I don't even know like, you know what, like this is horrible. And in America, like, they were boosting it up, like, yay for Harry Connick Jr., you know, standing up for the right thing, good for you, Harry Connick Jr. It didn't work well here because <laughs> in Australia, everyone was like, ah, you fucking idiot, you fucking pussy, shut up, fuck off back to America. <laughs> the 20th and 21st centuries. And reports of... Started getting booed when he would go out. <laughs> politicians and college students dressing up in blackface are a regular part of the news. Dark skin, wide noses, and full lips are things that the black American community has struggled with for years because these features were deemed unwanted by the larger white society. And there's been a decades-long process of reclaiming and celebrating those features. So it's no wonder that these images still cause so much pain for the black community to this day. And blackface doesn't just stop at being a harmful form of artistic expression. It fed into a larger ideology of white supremacy, an ideology alive and well today, and an ideology that has real and lasting effects. See, some one may have uh, take issue with the harmful form of artistic expression. When I just heard that then, I was taking a sip of drink, I would have paused it earlier, I went, hmm? Okay, so who gets who gets to decide what's a harmful form of artistic expression? Because if the barometer is well, people feel, you know, <clears throat> people feel bad. Like if they don't like it, if it's offensive to them, well, then isn't a lot of art offensive to a lot of people? Like you can use you can use a Christian cross as a vibrator in an art exhibit now, and people will. Yeah! And if you come out and say, well, hang on, that's highly offensive to, you know, millions and millions of people, they'll go, fuck off. It's art. You don't get to decide you don't get to decide what's offensive and what's not. Shut up, bigot. It's not up to you. You know what I mean? 
So art, artistic expression is either sacred or it's not. So if here's the thing. If you want to like do something that people call harmful, then by all means, go and do it. Let you know the market will decide. But this idea that um, certain kinds of art are like taboo and whatever, well, that ship has already sailed, comrades. You've already ensured that there is no such thing as taboo art because we've slain all of the sacred cows, remember? So you were fighting for 40 or 50 years to slay the sacred cows of Western culture in terms of what is offensive and what is not when it comes to artistic impression. Do you think we're just going to sit back and let you construct a whole new set of sacred cows? Are you, are you fucking kidding? No. No, 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 no. I was with you. Yeah, fuck it. Like, if you want to do it and it's offensive, too bad. Go for it. Go for it. If you want to burn Bibles and, you know, piss on the cross and, you know, have artistic impressions of Mary getting raped and stuff like that, okay. Whatevs. It's your, you know, it's your party. You do what you want. But then if you're going to turn around after having, you know, like I said, slayed the sacred cows and then say, okay, so we've got some new sacred cows for you that everybody's going to be um, offended by and not criticize and not go after and, you know, not not allowed to do. It's like, whoa, pump the brakes, man. Don't think so. Because all you're going to do, like the whole reason that, um, would you say, revolutionary art and level, revolutionary cultural uh, influence came to the fore in the first place was because of the suppression beforehand. So it went underground and it made it cool. So if you're going to go ahead and try and construct a whole bunch of sacred cows, what you're going to find is people are going to do things that offend you just for the fuck of it, just for the sake of it. And you're going to cry and say, you can't do that. It's not fair. We've changed. That's not the kind of society we want to live in. And you'll be mimicking literally exactly the exact same words of the people that you claim you're against. And, and not a single tear will be shed for you and your offense. Not a single tear. It's not because people want you to feel bad because you don't have a right to make the rules. Because of white supremacy, a black American is likely to get a 20% longer sentence for the same offense as a white American. Black homeownership rates are way behind white homeownership rates. And black poverty rates are also much higher than white poverty rates. So let's take a look at the turtleneck in question. We can begin to see why it would be so hurtful to so many people. The item in question was trending online with tons of people expressing their disgust. The <laughs> like, once upon a time, people used to burn flags. People used to burn flags and burn bras back in the 60s. Now they're burning Gucci shirts at press conferences. <laughs> yeah, the revolution, baby. Woo! The resistance. I'm gonna burn these Gucci clothes. I don't have. I don't even have a problem with burning Gucci clothes. Like I said, I think. I think the the fashion sense is fucking hideous. <laughs> but, but do you see how we've changed? <clears throat> Look at this. They've t they've turned. Bur we're burning Gucci clothes into a press conference. 
It's a social media viral video. It's laughable. It's a joke. This this is the revolution. Millionaires burning Gucci clothes on TV. Give me a fucking break, man. <laughs> Wearing gold chains and expensive clothes, burning other expensive clothes. <laughs> They're disgust. The initial spark of anger that you get from the public is obviously the, the, the most prominent piece of this. But people remember things that brands have done in the past. If you, if you look at the most recent examples of offensive fashion, whenever a new one comes up, everyone refers to all the previous ones that had happened before. Gucci CEO Marco Bizzotti said in a statement, we are coming from a different culture. We are Italian. We don't know all the cultural differences. Gucci said they'll take full responsibility in a statement apologizing for the offense. But the claim that they don't know feels kind of like a cop-out. Gucci has a plethora of people. Stefan says, look at the likes, dislikes. Yeah, dislikes 550, likes 480. People making decisions. How did not one of those people flag the sweater as potentially offensive? Gucci has announced a full program of scholarship. There was a comment in the chat, this is snobbery, this is snobbish behavior, snobbery at its finest. I don't mind, you can call me a snob, <laughs> that doesn't worry me. Um, but if you, if I don't know if you're calling me a snob or these people a snob, but uh, if you're calling me, you, you have to, sometimes you have to step back and realize that you're calling somebody who just said that they're wearing a $20 t-shirt, laughing at a millionaire wearing gold chains, burning Gucci clothing on TV. You're calling that person a snob. <laughs> okay. Okay. How, how dare you? You snob. <laughs> ships that will facilitate an increase of different communities within the creative office. And Prada I has announced it. a diversity council that you. aims to elevate voices of color within the company and fashion industry at large. But even from an American perspective, we're not exactly leading the way. The Council of Fashion Designers of America. Oh, there's a there's a council. Oh, the council. No, the Gucci people protesting. Ah, oh, okay, got you. Damn, damn it. Oh, and then I'm going to have to take it back, movie life, unfortunately. I thought it was kind of funny. Can you just say that you were calling me a snob so we can make the gag work, you know? The Council of Fashion Designers. They must be some seriously good parties. I wonder if, I wonder if the Council of Fashion Designers make it into, you know, the billionaire class who like to surround themselves with gorgeous women. <clears throat> gorgeous women who really should eat a little more, to be fair. I don't like the stick stick thing you know i don't like the ribs sticking out it's not my style not my style you know i don't i don't want to have to worry about you know paying for a pelvis reconstruction after we're done here babe sorry gonna need a little more cushion cushion for the pushing let's carry on there's only a couple of seconds left is one of the industry's premier trade organizations only three percent of the members are black for the fall-winter 2019 New York Fashion Week, only 10% of the designers were black. Of course only 10% of the designers were black. How, how else are we going to make all of this blackface stuff? Jeez. Makes sense to me. All right. Speaking of artificial subjective beauty standards, ladies and gentlemen, this one will float your boat, tickle your pickle. Woman spends 1,100 pounds on plastic surgery for her cat as she thinks it's ugly. That is an ugly cat. There you go. 
See, the tabloid, even the tabloid, one of my great joys in life is reading the really shitty British tabloids because of their, you know, ridiculous headlines and their takes on things. Like, if you've ever spent any time in Britain, you know, people say, oh, the British tabloids, they're trash. That's the point. It's People read it because it's trash, because it's funny, because it's so trashy and so bad. Like, you get a laugh out of, out of it when you're on the tube kind of thing, right? But see... Woman spends £1,000 on plastic surgery for her cat because she thinks it's ugly. I would have written something like, woman with ugly pussy gets plastic surgery. Then all of a sudden you've got clickbait. Then all of a sudden you, you've got shares. Then you then you're going viral. Woman with ugly pussy gets spends $1,000 on plastic surgery. Her pussy is ugly. You know what I mean? That's how you make copy move, baby. So they're losing their edge in the tabloid game, I'm, I'm afraid to say. A pet, owner, a pet owner has been accused of animal abuse for taking her cat to get plastic surgery on its face. <laughs> the unnamed woman from China took her cat in to have an operation on its eyes, claiming she didn't like the shape of them and thought they were ugly. The grey cat is said to have undergone a double eyelid operation or an Asian plasty, where a crease is added to the animal's eyelids to create the look of a monolid. In order to do, to do this, vets made a cut on each of the cat's eyelids with a scalpel, claimed Yangsu Television Report earlier today. Well, I guess on the upside, the cat didn't end up in the oven. So the cat should be thankful. The, the owner, why is it being charged? Why is the owner being charged with animal abuse for trying to make her a cat look more attractive? The sad irony is she can walk down the road and have cat in a noodle box. The television station also revealed shocking photos of the cat following the procedure, which is to be believed to have cost the woman 10,000 won, 1,000 pounds. Not many people would spend 1,000 pounds on a cat. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Like, if a lot of people, if they have a, a bill from the vet that says, you know what, we can save your cat's life, but it's going to cost you 1,000 bucks, they'll be like, no way, it's a fucking cat. I don't have $1,000 for a cat. Are you kidding me? This person actually spent $1,000 on the cat to make itself feel better about it. <laughs> to give it a better sense, better, an inflated self-esteem. <laughs> you know, the cat The cat was very self-conscious about its eyes. Uh, you know, she was worried that the other cats were making fun of her. So I wanted to pay for this procedure to make the cat feel better about itself. She's a hero. She's a, it's a very humanitarian thing to do, to donate money for this cat. A line of stitches can also be seen on each eye. According to staff at the Ruping Pet Hospital in Nanjing, where the op was performed, the double eyelid surgery is common with many dog owners opting to have it done so their, pet, uh, their pets can participate in shows. That's what it takes. See, the fashion industry is off the hook. However, they added, there can be a health risk when the surgery is performed on cats and it can cause a lot of discomfort. Mail Online has revealed that since the report aired on Chinese television, the cat owner in question has been heavily criticised on social media. We could just do away with the courts, I think. Let's just put all, all judgments on social media. One person said, It doesn't even look like the same cat anymore. This is plain torture. A second comment, like unnamed people on Twitter. <laughs> like, look at the research going into this. I would go so far as to say this is animal abuse, complete disregard for the poor cat's feelings, completely unnecessary. Can we see, is this going to be in Chinese or? Well, this is very helpful. This is very enlightening. Where's the voiceover? 
，通过打理毛发等方式给宠物美容已经不新鲜，现在发展到伤肉动物，像人一样做医疗美容，很多猫友表示不能接受。是折腾猫，我觉得那是对猫的伤害。Free spading and neutering for all. Well, that video is not much help to us. So there you have it. Chinese woman with ugly pussy pays a thousand bucks because it's ugly. Here's one for you. Keeping on the animal theme, let's roll one topic into another. Court rules man can't have gun license after his dog shoots him with a rifle. <laughs> so animals revenge. The cats are getting plastic surgery against their will. People are spending a thousand dollars in the dog world. They're just shooting their owners. Fuck them. A court in Munich, Germany, said it must be assumed the hunter will handle firearms and ammunition carelessly in the future as well. A German court has ruled a dog owner isn't fit to carry a firearms license after his dog shot him with a rifle. What? <laughs> <laughs> Where's my bone, bitch? The Munich Administrative Court on Tuesday dismissed the man's appeal against an earlier decision by Bavarian authorities to withdraw his license to own a rifle as well as his hunting permit. The decision followed a 2016 incident in which the man, a passionate hunter, was shot in the arm after his dog managed to release the trigger on a loaded rifle that was lying in his car. The court ruled the hunter couldn't be relied upon because it must be assumed that he will handle firearms and ammunition carelessly in the future. The man whose name wasn't released can appeal the verdict. There you go. <laughs> Dogs get their revenge. Are you this comment in the world? Are you serious? How in the world? What kind of dog? It doesn't say. Doesn't say what kind of dog. A hunting dog. Hunting dog. All right. Let's go to another story here. Did you see this one? She knocked a mega hat off a man's head in a Mexican restaurant. Now she could be deported. <laughs> Whoops! That's, see this right here? This is the problem. Ignorant, ignorant people like this. I'm just trying. You to stupid! Nice you stupid motherfucker! You stupid! People yeah, like yo, that. you stupid, Holmes. It's the problem with America these days. People are just ignorant. They want to, they want to lash out on people who are educated. Unfortunately, this uneducated. You stupid. Uh, I'm sorry for her friend. She must be so embarrassed. She must be so embarrassed. Rosie's not. Oh well, she probably lesson learned. She probably should have kept her hands to herself. Two weeks ago in Massachusetts, a woman from Brazil. Was arrested for allegedly accosting a man wearing. A, what do you mean allegedly? We just fucking saw it on video. I hate shit like that. It's not alleged. We we see it. We can see it in front of our very eyes. What do you mean alleged? <laughs> It's right there. It happened right. Look. Do you want to see it again? The author. Maybe the author didn't see this video. Look. There it is. What do you mean alleged? <laughs> Allegedly accosting a man wearing a "Make America Great Again" hat while he ate at a Mexican restaurant. Rosian Santos, 41. She's 41. 41. Fucking grow up. You're middle-aged. You're a middle-aged Brazilian woman in a restaurant who's, you know, ripping hats off people. What the hell is wrong with you? We expect this shit from, you know, 20-year-old unhinged socialists on university campuses. Like we even allow it. 
We're like, yeah, you know what? They're kind of crazy, but they're kids. They'll grow up eventually. They'll grow out of it. You're 41 years old, man. You should be doing better things with your time. Was recorded on video swatting the hat off a man's head and later told police she didn't believe she would be allowed inside a Mexican... She didn't believe he should be allowed inside a Mexican establishment. (laughs) I'll make the rules here. I'll make the goddamn rules. You ain't allowed, honey. Mm-mm. Wearing that hat? While touting President Trump's MAGA refrain, according to a report from the Falmouth Police Department, well, they should be happy. She's doing their work for them. That's, that's exactly what the police want. I was doing a community service. He shouldn't even be allowed in a Mexican restaurant, this racist pig. I told him. I let him know. I let him know how we feel. Men don't hit back in the States. <laughs> Santos, who was allegedly intoxicated, <laughs> was arrested on charges of disorderly conduct and simple assault and battery, both misdemeanors and escorted from the restaurant. On the way out, police said she hit a man a final t- she hit the man a final time, swatting again at his hat. Santos's bail was set at forty dollars. Forty damn dollars. She was released. She later pleaded not guilty. Good luck. Now Santos, who is living in the United States without legal documentation, also faces deportation. Bye-bye, honey. Bye-bye. <laughs> She's obviously not the brightest, the brightest star in the galaxy. I mean, if you're an illegal immigrant, you're an illegal immigrant. Wouldn't you think the last thing you want to do is end up on camera somewhere and on the news, right? Getting arrested. Like, think of the amount, think of the level of entitlement. You're in somebody else's country illegally and you're telling them what they should wear and what they can and can't wear. You're not, you're not even in this guy's country legally and you're going up to him, swat, swatting his hat off. And when the police arrest you, you say, well, I didn't think he should be allowed in the, in the restaurant. It's like, you're not even allowed in the country. <laughs> you're not allowed in the restaurant either, sweetheart. <laughs> you should be serving cocktails on some Brazilian beach somewhere for rich Americans. You, you fucking moron. <laughs> like, what the hell is wrong with people? If you if you're an illegal immigrant, wouldn't you just keep your head down, kind of thing? You know, like don't draw attention to yourself. It reminds me of that guy. Do you remember that guy who was like waving the Mexican flag? <laughs> Salvatore says the cheek, exactly the chutzpah. Remember that guy who was waving the Mexican flag and he was like, "Yeah, fucking make Mexico great again." Donald Trump's a racist and stuff, and he was on TV, and they ended up picking him up, and he was an illegal immigrant too. They deported him back to Mexico. <laughs> Like, what do you think was going to happen? Do you think they're going to make you president, mate? What the fuck do you think's going on here? Triggered red hat syndrome, says Dan. Immigration and Customs Enforcement deportation officers from the agency's fugitive operations team detained Santos on Tuesday, an ICE spokesman said in a statement. The woman was released from ICE custody and entered into removal proceedings in federal immigration court. She's expected to appear in court at a future date. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't that absolutely wonderful? Um, I've got a short video here for you before we get to our next story. The next story is a lot of fun. 
Jordan Peterson was in Australia just recently, and he appeared on the Australian taxpayer-funded news service known as the ABC, and a particular little panel show they have called Q&A. <clears throat> and he was asked about gender quotas, and you'll note the woman that's sitting next to him, she is actually a politician from the left-wing party, like quote-unquote left-wing, um, the Labor Party. And these two had a little a little tete-a-tete, a little chat on live TV, so thought this might be fun. Check it out. Uh, Martin Luther King's dream was that there would come a time when um, people would not be judged by the colour of their skin but by the content of their character. How is today's identity politics consistent with that vision? Jordan Peterson. Well, I don't think it's consistent with that vision at all. I mean, the, the problem I have with identity politics as a, as a mode of philosophical apprehension is that it's predicated on the idea that the appropriate way to classify people is by their group identity in whatever fragmentary formulation that might take in the multiplicity of ways that people can be divided into groups. And uh, uh, Comment in the chat, I wouldn't wear, eat anywhere with a MAGA hat just saying, yeah, I probably tend to agree because they'll piss in your food and stuff. They'll spit in your food and shit because people are unhinged like that. See, if I'm working at a food place and someone comes in, you know, wearing something I don't like, I don't think anything of it. <laughs> you know, I don't even register it as a thing. Like, I can't, I can't imagine, you know, being comfortable with myself if I saw a hat and I was led, like, from the hat, I was led to commit acts of violence. You know what I mean? I, I just don't, I don't understand it. Like, I, I do understand it because in, in so much as people today are increasingly fucking insane. And, the, and the, you know, the world of the sane and the rational is just shrinking day by day by day by day by day. And we're surrounded by all of these lunatics. See, I, if I was an American in America, I probably wouldn't wear the MAGA hat just because everybody else is wearing it. You know what I mean? Like, it's... <laughs> I wouldn't feel a need to wear a MAGA hat. So I probably just wouldn't do it because it's a bit, I don't know. I, I don't really like, you know, brand clothes. I wear plain clothing. You know, I don't want to associate with brands and shit like that. So I wear plain shirts. On, on this occasion, like I said, I'm wearing a Marvel shirt, but all the paint's all, you know, ripped off it and everything. It's old. So that's a bit different, but. Um, I probably wouldn't wear a MAGA hat just because everybody else is wearing it. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to be a rebel or anything like that. It's just it's a bit cliche. It's a bit clicky. So, But that's just my taste. I don't care. I don't care if five million people do wear the fucking thing. It doesn't worry me. It's like I don't care if somebody wears a Che Guevara t-shirt. I'm not going to go and spit in their hamburger. You know, that, that level of um, repulsion to somebody else's clothing is just insane. I don't get it classical, postmodern, and I would also say Marxist way of viewing the world, even though those two things shouldn't be allowed together, they tend to be, is that group identity takes priority over individual identity. And I think that's precisely the opposite of what Martin Luther King was hoping for and working for. And, and I, I think it's unbelievably dangerous because, partly because when you, when you assume that people should primarily be identified by their group, then you can also attribute group guilt to them by their group 
and then things go downhill very, very rapidly. And we've had no shortage of, of evidence of that sort of thing happening, say, throughout the 20th century. Are there particular groups that you are more concerned about than others? For example, the Liberal Party. Now, see, the woman in the red dress, the woman in red, she's um, the politician that you're about to hear from. And just, you know, if you complain about your politicians over there, and I know you do, just understand it's not just an American thing. Politics in the Western world is going, and you probably don't care, and you don't have, you know, you don't have to care about what's going on in any other country. But um, I can tell you because I try to keep an eye on politics in the West. You know, European, British, Australian, Canadian, even American. America is, you know, by far where most of the action is these days. So that's where my focus tends to be a lot because there's just so much going on. But it's happening everywhere. The, the level, the, what, we've come to, what we've come to understand as a competent politician, that definition has changed over time. And we're now being presented with nothing but incompetence and stupidity and shallowness. And people say, well, Donald Trump. And I'm like, well, okay. So, like, you're proving my point then. You know what I mean? <laughs> At least he's a bit more of a bully about it and just gives people the finger instead of speaking in mindless circular epithets like, you know, love is hate and whatever whatever people fucking mouth off about these days. At least he At least he cuts through a little bit and makes people stand up and go, yeah, fuck yeah. So that would be the difference. As Terry Butler said earlier, is a group. Uh, are there groups that you think are more dangerous? There's a, it is, there isn't a problem with groups. Hmm. The problem is with assuming that the fundamental way that you should categorize people is with their group identity. Yep. Obviously, we all belong to groups. The issue is whether or not the individual identity is primary and the group identity is secondary, or the group identity is primary and the. See, I thought we had all this shit figured out. Do you know what I mean? I thought we understood all this stuff already. It's like we have to wind back the clock and teach people fundamentals again. You know, like, just just because you're black doesn't mean you have to be somebody else's victim, you know? Like, just because you're black doesn't mean you have to vote this way. Just because you're white doesn't mean you have to act this What, you can't eat Mexican food now? You know, like all of this dumb, 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 dumb stuff. And that's, you know, a lot of these people are just obsessed with, they say it's all about individualism, but it's really not because people say things and they don't mean them. So people will say it's about individualism, but they want everybody to act a certain way. They want people in a certain classification, whether it's racial or gender or whatever it is, and they have a certain kind of, you know, they have a list of things that belong to them and nobody else can have them. And they have this culture, that's the culture. And any if you go outside that, then that's wrong. If anybody else goes inside that, that's wrong as well. <clears throat> and they have this kind of dress and this way of speaking and they say these things and they believe these things. And I think, you mean we don't have to conform to groupthink? <laughs> I think a lot of it is because we're dealing with simpletons here. Because for some people, for many people, for an increasingly 
large amount of people. Like I said, the, the world of the rational and the sane is shrinking ever, every day. I think they're simpletons in so much as it's too complicated. It's too complex to deal with individuals and the gray areas that exist in people, individual feelings and individual thoughts and individual opinions. That's too hard because the world doesn't make sense to them in that, in that paradigm of reality. In order for the world to make sense to these people, they have to have simplistic labels slapped on everything. It's like, oh, okay, you're a black guy from Compton. Well, okay, you must be this then. You're a white guy from Connecticut. You must be this then. Do you know what I mean? And then you don't have to think about it anymore. So where, you know, some may argue at the top, then these things are artificially orchestrated and pushed and perpetuated. And that's a view that I have some sympathy with in order to keep us at each other's throats so we don't actually ever get to a level of understanding where we can focus on the real problem. Like I've said many times before, um, part of the problem in the Western world is we view, um, you know, it's us versus them, one voter to the next, when the real battle is it's us, the voters, versus the politicians. That's the way we should look at politics. If civilization collapses, the police aren't going to be keeping you safe from the criminals. They're going to be guarding the governor's mansion. You know, the police as an entity, although they will, they're nice and they do their best to stop crime and all of that kind of thing, they don't exist to save you from criminals. They exist to save the government from you. So it's not, you know, me versus you over there or you versus me over here on the ideological spectrum as voters, as citizens. It's us versus the politicians, the political class, the political system. Now, I'm not saying tear it down or anything like that, but that's the way you've got to look at it. Because if you want to get some kind of change pushed through, then you have to have a ground, you have to have a, you know, a homogenous voting block of people to be able to exert their will over the people that they elect. It's part of the problem with multiculturalism. Multiculturalism is literally, um, defined as breaking people up into various groups and then you know they 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 sell it like these things are always wrapped with a ribbon like a nice ribbon and they'll sell it like well we need to give a voice to people we need to give power to these people but the reality is they're dividing society up so you can no longer have a big mass of people exert their will over the politicians because if you think about it, if the politicians want to do something that's really unpopular and 80% of people are against it, then it's very easy for 80% of people to get the politicians to do what they want them to do. But that's in a homogenous society where generally everybody has similar opinions about you know, their culture, their society, their politics, how the way, the way things work, how they interact with each other, right? When you bring multiculturalism into the equation, instead of having 80% of people who think something is a bad idea, you've got little blocks of 10% here, 5% here, 40% here, 50% here, 5% there. And then the best you can hope for is half of the 40%. And that's not going to change a goddamn thing. And so all the while, the politicians, while playing to the individual little groups that have been now constructed in the multicultural system can just do whatever the hell they want and they'll, they'll never be enough people, a, a groundswell of people to stop them. 
and all paths lead to socialism. Because when you add political correctness into the mix, then you can't even criticise the system itself. You can't criticise multiculturalism now. That's racist and that's wrong. And you, 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 you can't have a platform. You can't be heard. You hate brown people, right? Multiculturalism sustains the political class at the top of the tree and it keeps them safe from us because we are now divided into such ever-increasingly intersectional groups that we can never get together enough on one particular issue to get the politicians to do what we want them to do. So if we can't get them to do what we want them to do, what are they going to do? They're going to do what they want to do. <laughs> there's, your, there's your little two-and-a-half-minute rundown of multiculturalism in Western society. Let's carry on. Individual identity is secondary. If you're a proponent, for example, of equality of outcome, of quotas, then you de facto accept the proposition that it's the group identity that is primary, and there's all sorts of dangers that are associated with that that far outweigh whatever good you're likely to do. Okay, well, maybe that, you're just... Uh, go ahead. Oh. Yeah. She wasn't expecting a, an, a round of applause because this is a very lefty audience traditionally at Q&A. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. Uh, so like a lot of students, a lot of, lefty, a lot of lefties in the audience. And he was getting like, woo, woo, which would have been unexpected for this young lady. But listen to her, listen to her retort filled with wisdom and insight, which is no doubt a smackdown worthy of a hashtag. Maybe you just think that representative democracy should be representative. Mm -hmm. Maybe you. <laughs> See, this is another thing I love. Jennifer says, I love how he explains things. Chaser Check says, so diversity is not our strength. <laughs> so they are leftists. The horror, Clay Gatlin. So represent. See, this is the beautiful part that I love. They talk about these people who want like gender quotas in politics talk about representative democracy. Like like I said before, people say things, but they don't actually fucking mean it because representative democracy does not mean that, uh, you know, 50% of women need to be represented because the way it works is you vote for somebody to represent you on your behalf. You know, a female politician doesn't represent all women, you dunce. You're representing the, you know, few hundred thousand people that live in your particular area that you are elected to represent. Male, female, black, white, brindle, doesn't matter. We need more women in politics to represent women. No, you don't. You need to let people in various areas decide for them fucking selves who they want them, who they want to represent them. That's what representative democracy is. It doesn't mean you can get up there and say, I have a vagina, therefore, like, as a mother, as, as, as the holder of a vagina, I think we should do this. It doesn't work that way. But they want it to work that way. They want it to be simple. They want it to be stupid. They want it to be incompetent. Yeah, see, you guys call it a district. We call it a seat. But same, 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 same concept. So if there aren't enough women in politics, do you think having like an enforced gender quota is the best thing, best way to go about it? Because isn't that then taking the democracy out of the equation? 
because now you're saying to people that they can no longer decide for themselves who represents them, right? It has to be a woman. You have to have a woman represent you. I'm I'm sorry. I thought I thought you were talking. Weren't you just mouthing off about fucking representative democracy? Weren't you just talking about democracy just now? No, you need to have a woman. We'll decide for you which candidate is best for you. Oh, okay. And and the illusion, the illusion that these people love democracy. Like you know, I'm a democratic socialist. It is paper thin. It's like dandelion spores, like goes into the wind at the first instance of any kind of logical application at all. We need gender quotas in politics. Okay, so we're going to stop people from voting? Well, no. So how are you going to, how are you going to make sure that women are only getting voted in? Well, we're just only going to have women as candidates, but aren't you then taking the decision out of the hands of the voters? Well, yeah, but we kind of have to because women need to be represented. So don't call yourself, don't, don't ever put democratic in your name ever again, you fucking frauds. <laughs> disgusting, dis- disgusting, despicable, shallow, incoherent frauds. Just think that women should be equally represented in the decision-making fora of our nation. Ah. Maybe that's really just about... Ha- See how they bathe everything in this nice... Like, we just... I just think that women should be equally represented in the decision-making uh, process for our nation. But you've got you to get elected first, sweetheart. Having proper equality proper in a body equality. that's meant to be representative. Not, not, not improper equality. We want proper equality. Enforced equality. Equality that takes equality out of the hands of the voters themselves. <laughs> That's the only way we can enforce it. Well, I do believe that women should have... I, I don't understand your question, I well, guess. I guess you <laughs> don't. That's pretty obvious. Say the well, smirk. how about if you phrase it more clearly? She's like, I guess you don't. That's, I guess you don't understand the question. That's pretty obvious. Well, one, she didn't even ask a question. But two, I don't think she even fucking understands what she's saying. See, I don't mind dumb people. I like dumb people. I don't consider myself particularly smart. So I have no problem, like for me, if you're somebody that doesn't articulate things well, if you're, you know, a bit of a simple person, I don't think that that should mean that you don't have a right to say what you think. You know, there's a lot of elitism that happens on the left. I can't remember who wrote it. I think, I actually think, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm loathe to bring up a George Orwell thing, but I, I'm pretty sure it was George Orwell who said, um, you know, the socialists actually hate the working class. Because they view them as like uneducated, uncultured, right? So it's actually the it's actually the 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 elitism on the left is like if somebody comes out and says something like, just say, for example, instead of articulating, you know, an argument about immigration, say, and talking about pressures on, you know, infrastructure, uh, the welfare bill, these kinds of things. If somebody comes out on the TV and says, well, you know, I don't think it's a good idea to let like heaps of immigrants in the country because like, you know, there's like already too many people here and there's lots of traffic and stuff. And, you know, my like where I grew up, it's really changed now. So there's heaps of people that don't even speak English and stuff. But so I'm like, yeah, okay, that's a fair, that's a fair um, thing to say. That's a legitimate concern that this guy has. But it's the people on the left who will say, "How dare you, you uneducated redneck! Don't you, you don't, you can't even speak properly. Look at him; he's such an uneducated, you know, swill, redneck swill." 
I bet he didn't even go to university. He's he's completely ignorant. You know, you know the un- the uneducated love Donald Trump. By the way, you know it's that kind of snooty, looking down their nose at everybody else. I know better than you, so I need to tell you how to run yourself, run your own life, because you can't do it for yourself. Kind of shit. There's a lot of that on the left, and so when you actually mix with these people and you talk to them and see just how, you know, just how stuck up their own ass they really are, then it instantly becomes obvious what fraud it is when these people go around talking about the underprivileged and the, you know, oh, the, we need to care for the poor, uneducated people and, oh, the underprivileged and you've got privilege, they don't have privilege, they're oppressed. It's all garbage. It's all bullshit. By and large, these people are, you know, educated in shitty universities with worthless degrees that come from upper middle class families to begin with. You know, their parents are doctors, they drive SUVs, they drink champagne, they don't live they don't, they don't live the way that the people they claim to represent live, and they know absolutely nothing about them. They just assume that they're all idiots because when they dis- when they agree with them and shut up, they like them. If they um, break from the control system and start disagreeing with them, then they hate their guts and say that they're uneducated rednecks who need to be done away with, put into re-education camps. Instead of just insulting me. Look, 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 look at it this way. Let's talk about quotas for a minute. So there's a a very wide array of jobs that are fundamentally uh, done by men. So, for example, Member of Parliament, 99, 99.9% of See, she's looking away. She's making comments to other people. She's trying to divert. She's making like anybody can sit there and make little smart ass little quips, like little, little one liners. Anybody can do that. And a lot of people can do it a lot better than this chick, but she's embarrassing herself. And this, this is an elected politician in the Australian government. It's a, it's a disgrace. <laughs> like, no one's saying you have to be an intellectual, but at least I, I hate it when dumb people act smart. That's what I don't like. You can be dumb. You can, you can be of average intelligence. I'm not even saying she's dumb, but if you are of average intelligence and all you're capable of is, like, one-liners and shallow circular logic and, you know, basically nonsense and you're doing a trick on everybody then that's fine but then don't pretend to be smart don't don't look down your nose at somebody who's actually probably a lot smarter than you are <laughs> and pretend like you got him you know what i mean when idiots pretend to be your intellectual superiors that's when i get the shit i'm like oh shut up you idiot you're you're embarrassing yourself you look like a fool I better give my minute to jordan <laughs> <laughs> 99.9% of bricklayers are men. Should we have quarters for women? Is bricklaying representative democracy? That has nothing to do with the question. The question is if, 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 oh, if there's goes, evidence oh. of structural and, like, inequality and oppression. Leans forward on her elbows there, like looking, she's looking down her nose at him right now. I'm like, mm, okay, well then tell me, Mr. Smart Guy. What she said literally doesn't make any sense. And then she's got the audacity to be like, you need to convince me. <laughs> I wouldn't even bother if I was him. I'd say, well, this chick's an idiot. <laughs> because women aren't precisely represented at 50% in all professions at all levels. Then why don't we have a conversation about having women represented it in all professions 
at all levels. Well, Why do we talk about the C-suite, for example? Why do we talk about politics and positions of power? Yeah. Why don't well, we talk about it across the board? Okay, we're so we're, let's just pause and... and uh, yeah, but that's because it's power. You, you pose a question to Terry Butler. Uh, <laughs> go ahead and answer it. Then we'll hear from the other panelists. His question to me. Well, yeah. <laughs> Good job, sweetheart. Well done. Well done. Stephanie in the chat says, I figured it out. You look like Les Claypool. I am Les Claypool, and my band sucks. One more story, and then I think we'll take a quick break, and then we'll, we'll probably do more of the gender stuff because I've got something really funny for you. Well, I assume it's funny. Might not be as funny as this. <laughs> do you want a minute to soak in that headline? Dwarves being hired by expected parents for weird baby showers. Expectant parents are hiring dwarves dressed as tots to celebrate baby showers. There he is. <laughs> on the swing with daddy punters are charged 300 pounds for two hours with a baby dwarf during the appearances they wear babe a baby onesie and a bonnet and carry around a joke dummy they often call the expected parents mum and dad and pose for photos <laughs> <laughs> the brits are going fucking crazy the brits are going mad Hey, they'll overtake Sweden in the next few years, I'm sure. Haley B, who runs Haley B Entertainment, says stag parties are also getting in on the act, hiring dwarves to add to the fun. <laughs> so you can have a stripper. You can have a stripper and she's, you know, she's putting whipped cream on her nipples. You're supposed to lick it off and then you've got a baby dwarf. Then you've got this guy running around serving drinks. <laughs> With a stash. Critics have labelled the practice demeaning, but Eric, but performer Eric Byrne sees nothing wrong with it. See, here's another, here's another example of somebody else is trying to tell you what you can do to make money. This guy is obviously happy. He's smiling. He's getting. He's got a thumbs up. He's getting paid. He's wearing the outfit. No one's got a fucking gun to his head. No one's forcing him to do this. But somewhere, somewhere, some some highly educated person that's better than all of us has to come out and say, this is demeaning, it needs to stop now, because their whole worldview is based on the fact that their morality applies to everybody. And if those that it doesn't apply to are wrong and immoral, and I am the moral beacon of our age, and what I say is right has to be right, and anybody who challenges it, well, they're just an uneducated dwarf. Right? The 43-year-old from Crawley, West Sussex, said, I have done it for around six months now, and I really enjoy it. The PC brigade finds things wrong with everything. This is the dwarf. They used to claim cartoons made people violent, but I never thought that was the case. I reckon people should mind their own business, and if we are happy, leave us to get on with our lives. Yes. Well done, sir. Well done. That is one small statement for man. One giant statement for a little man. All right. <laughs> He's my new hero, this guy, the dwarf baby. With that, I think we'll take a quick five-minute break. We'll get back. I've got In-N-Out Burger coming to Australia. We've got human shit being filled in um, a house in England and <laughs> renters filling a house with literally with human shit. No, it's not in San Francisco. We can do a little bit on North Korea if you want. I've got something from Jim Acosta. I've got a moment from Brian Stelter sent by the general. And we've got some, obviously, your stuff that you sent through on Twitter. So plenty more to come. Stick around for five. If not, 
See you next time. If you do, see you in five. Hello, everybody. This is Chris McDonald. I want to take this opportunity to invite you to listen to our Mac Files broadcast every Monday through Friday night from 930 to 1030 right here on Periscope, YouTube, and Facebook Live. We always have a wide variety of guests that talk about faith, make America great again, the nation, President Trump. We deal with a lot of law enforcement issues, a lot of immigration issues, and issues that are very relevant to the time that we live in. Friday nights, 1130, the one and only James R. joins us for Pirate Radio, one of the liveliest shows late night that you'll ever have. And then Sunday nights, we have uh, Pastor Ronnie Mitchum join us at 8.30 p.m. for our Sunday night faith chat. And be there. We're looking for you. Join us each week. Aloha. James R. here. When I'm not in court defending the boys from the starting block against slander charges. Alleged! Yes, yes. Alleged. I'm hosting Trust and Verify with Boogie Bumper every Sunday night at 1 a.m. on TABshow.com. Join us and all your favorite broadcasters there. Friend and foe alike, join me, Varun Prasad, every week on the Common Discourse Weekly Roundup podcast. You can follow the show on at TCD Tweet on Twitter and Periscope. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, Stream Me, iTunes, or your preferred podcast platform. If you like what you hear, or you would like to express your raging discontent, please consider leaving us a review. The Common Discourse, independent political opinion, thought, and analysis for the people, by the people. Do you lie awake at night pondering life's big questions? Is there a God? What is the meaning of life? How would one do an hour-long sports show without ever actually talking about sport? If yes, we can help you answer 33% of these pressing questions. All you have to do is check out the starting block on TAVshow.com, Periscope, Stream Me, or YouTube, Wednesday mornings at 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also download the podcast on iTunes just by searching for The Starting Block in the store or at thestartingblock.podbean.com. Or if you're really desperate for answers, why not check us out on Twitter, at The Starting Block. No K at the end, don't forget to drop that K. Enlightenment is now only a click away. So that's why that kind of political speak, those kinds of comments, whether I witness them or they're thrown directly at me, they just don't bother me anymore. I, I laugh. Because I know basically the entire, you know, the entire ideological platform on the left and has, is built on fear and always has been. Remember, it's, it's, there's fear of capitalism because those greedy business owners, they're going to starve you to death. They're going to work you to death. That's built on fear. There's fear of the rich. The rich are trying to keep you down squashing you trampling on your dreams you need to get rid of them that's selling fear there's fear of freedom i mean why do why do you think why do you think safe spaces exist the people accusing you of selling fear and paranoia literally endorse the creation of safe spaces in universities and triggering warnings trigger warnings just in case someone might present a piece of educational material, whether it be in some kind of book or movie, that may stroke them in a negative way emotionally. The people accusing you of selling fear and paranoia 
literally need to be warned about material in books in universities before they hear it. And they say you're the ones pushing fear. In reality, they are the ones that exist and live and breathe in a 24 hour, seven day a week, 365 day a year campaign of fear. Fear of everything outside the norm that's been constructed within the bounds of the ideology itself. Because their fear, real or imagined, is what motivates them to accuse you of using fear against them. Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Coming back. Thanks to those who stuck around. If you didn't, so long, sucker. This is where we get into the real good shit when it gets really late. This is when we have the most fun. You're going to miss it. Too bad, so sad. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. If you did, good to see you. Got plenty more to go. Couple more articles, couple more clips, and then we'll get into your stuff on Twitter. The Twitter. American burger chain in and out returns to Sydney for a very limited time. Sydney ciders are lining up in the sweltering heat to grab a cult American burger with some even trying to cash in on the situation. Let's have a look at this. I don't know what this... The news.com videos very rarely have anything to do with the article that they're embedded in. So let's see if they keep the trend of pointless videos up. Entertain me, Boogie. BE from the UK. Doing the Earth Report for the starting block. Thanks for joining us, sir. Well, this is even worse than a... <laughs> this is even worse than a video that has nothing to do with the story. It's just no video. Isn't that wonderful? Hundreds of dedicated burger fans. I can't believe I didn't know about this. Honestly. How could I not know that this was happening? Hundreds of dedicated burger fans are queuing up in the sweltering Sydney heat as a one-off in-and-out pop-up opens in the city. 
The queue is currently snaking around the block in Darlinghurst as hungry fans hope for a taste of the famous American burgers. Staff members have handed out wristbands, wristbands so the lucky few who made it to the line in time with some cheeky people offering to sell their spot to passers-by. One woman, one woman told News.com that she has been waiting since 10.50am and hopes she, could get that, uh, hopes she could get more than one burger or my boss is going to kill me. There's the, it just looks like every other burger, doesn't it? What am I missing here? What am I missing here? In and out rocks, go boogie. Get a double double gorilla style. That just looks like a normal burger, cheeseburger, doesn't it? All in and out. Uh, an in and out spokesperson told News.com the company flew out half a dozen staff members as well as their manager Eric. <laughs> Eric, who is dressed as an old school diner busboy. Eric is currently greeting every customer personally at the door and has been walking up and down the line to say hello to fans as they wait. And there's your wristband. The burger chain has also flown out special potato. Oh, the special potatoes. Oh, Ooh, special potatoes. Well, well. Which have been specifically grown in the state of Oregon to ensure an authentic American taste for Aussies. The famous West Coast brand popped up at 11am and will on- will run only until all the burgers are gone. Well, it's already fucking done then. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for the report, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks for the heads up, news.com. Bastards. Hey, go and get a burger. Oh, it's too late. Last year's appearance in Melbourne saw similar huge queues and long wait as the burgers sold out within 30 minutes. Jimmy's Burgers posted about the surprise pop-up this morning, confirming Darlinghurst Wood and Smoke on Stanley Street as the temporary burger joint location for today. Now, that's a monster. That's something I'd like to put my laughing gear around. They all dress in white boogie and have paper hats. It's like a concert, but with ground beef. <laughs> the Americans are sticking up for In-N-Out Burger. They're loving In-N-Out. I'd love to have one of these things. Look at that sucker. It's like half a cow between those buns. How could I not fall in love? <laughs> I love I love the salad. Really, do we need the salad? <laughs> do we, does anybody bothering with the salad at this point? Like, <laughs> where's my lettuce? That, that That's something you never hear when you order this burger. Hey, I wanted lettuce and tomato on this fucking thing. No, you just wolf it down. No authentic American burger for you, Boogie. No, unfortunately not. It's been two years since the LA fast food legends set up shop at Lil Darlin, also in Darlow, which is short for Darlinghurst, and three years since they whipped together a few burgers at Surrey Hills Dead Ringer. So you can bet there's still people out there who haven't had a taste and will be desperate to find out what the buzz is about. Double, double, baby. Clay Gatlin says, I'm American and I've never tried one. <laughs> well, it's you and me, babe. We're not alone. Expect one per one burger per person policy, so don't risk being the burger waiter for your mates. We assume In-N-Out will stick to their basic hamburger, regular cheeseburgers, and the double-double. There you go. There's the double-double. And there's Arnie, the guy who likes to have sex with the help. The props. He has sex with his props. Okay. Very fun stuff. I don't know if I... Do we want to do, like, North Korea shit? 
I don't know. I had I did have something here from the New York Times, which I thought was interesting, because the New York Times actually said, you know, Trump did the right thing walking away, and I nearly dropped the drink that I was holding in my hand. Not the New York Times, the LA Times, sorry. Trump wisely walks away from his North Korea summit without a bad deal. LA Times, ladies and gentlemen, that known right-wing conspiracy website, that known Trump cheerleading website, the LA Times. If you get protein style, says James, they wrap it like a lettuce wrap. Well, I'm not going, I don't want lettuce. I'm not eating this thing for the, I'm not eating this thing for the nutritional value. Obviously. (laughs) The abrupt end to President Trump's summit meeting with North Korea's Kim Jong-un may strike some as a huge embarrassment, huge embarrassment for a president who portrays himself as the ultimate deal maker. It wasn't. Instead, Trump deserves credit for leaving Vietnam when he concluded that Kim was insisting on unreasonable terms, the lifting of all US economic sanctions if the North dismantled its nuclear complex in Yongbyon. Before the summit, it was thought North Korea might decommission that site in exchange for the US agreeing to a formal statement ending the Korean War and perhaps relief from some sanctions, but Trump and Kim demanded much more. The lifting of sanctions, quote, is in their entirety added Trump. We couldn't do that. North Korean Foreign Minister Ri Yong-ho disputed Trump's account, saying that the North asked for the lifting of only those sanctions that hamper the civilian economy and the livelihood of our people. Well, that would be all sanctions, wouldn't it? How dumb do you think we are, North Korea? Trump and his advisers have indicated they were willing to make concessions and accept incremental steps from North Korea rather than immediate denuclearization. Reportedly, the administration was even willing to defer its demand that the North provide an inventory of its nuclear stockpile and ballistic missiles. But in the end, Kim apparently wasn't content with such concessions. So there you have it. I thought that was pretty wild, the LA Times coming out and saying, well done, John. Well done, Donald Trump. See, I'm I'm at the stage now where I'm instantly suspicious. I'm like, hang on, what are they getting at here? What's the angle here? They have to be getting at something. There has to be some kind of play going on here by the LA Times. No way they're going to just come out and say Trump did something good. There has to be some other fucking game. (laughs) Because I've been so bashed over the head with shitty journalism for so long, now I just don't trust them even when they say good things. (laughs) I'm like, no, no way. I'm not not falling for it, mate. I'm not falling for this. Let's see what uh, one of our favourite journos, Jim Acosta, has to say about the whole situation. Let's check out Jimmy, boy. Well, first of all, Christian, I think we have to point out the obvious, which is the president steered clear uh, largely during this news conference uh, of the White House press corps and was instead uh, selecting a journalist at random uh, from the other side of the room. <laughs> I love that in Jim's universe, this is the most obvious thing that he didn't get chosen to ask a question. <laughs> Well, well, first, I well, first, Christian, I think we have to point out the obvious that Donald Trump didn't even call on me. <laughs> so have I figured out what the angle is? No, I haven't yet. I haven't yet. Give me a day or two. It doesn't make any sense right now. The LA Times bumping up Donald Trump saying he did a good thing for walking away. Other than the fact that you know other people will hit him over the head when he gets home by saying you shouldn't have walked away. This was our one chance at peace. But like I said in the, at the start of the show, last week they were telling us it was all a PR stunt anyway, so what's the fucking difference, right? 
Donald Trump is going to North Korea purely as a PR stunt. Donald Trump walks out of negotiations. Donald Trump is walking out on the chance for peace. (laughs) Well, I I thought it was a PR stunt. What the fuck do you want? What's the difference? Yeah, he he thinks this is the news. I have to hear it again. Well, first of all, Christiane, I think we have to point out the obvious, which is the president <laughs> stood to, uh, largely during this news conference uh, of the White House press corps and was instead uh, selecting a journalist at random uh, from the other side of the... At, ra- uh, at random? Oh, my God. He totally ignored the White House press corps. The guy's a fucking maniac. How can he even do this? Oh, my God. <laughs> we have to point out the obvious. <laughs> obvious. Jim, do you know who's talking about the fact that Donald Trump didn't call on the White House press corps? You and nobody. You and nobody else. That's who. <laughs> Imagine how narcissistic and entitled you have to be. I've been saying this about Jim Acosta for fucking years, man. He may, he He is the news. He wants the news to be about him. Always. He's always trying to turn himself into the story. He's done it again. He's... <laughs> <clears throat> and if and if Donald Trump doesn't call on him, he yells something out at, from the back of the room where no, he can clearly not be heard by Donald Trump anyway and then claims that Donald Trump was ignoring him at a press conference and doesn't report on anything that Donald Trump said, only what Donald Trump didn't do in not calling him. It's, it's insane. I thought he would pout more. <laughs> Says Linda. <laughs> He is pouting pretty hard. He has got a pretty good pout on there. I don't know if you can see. If you zoom in, you can see a nice big pout there. Oh, oh. We have to point out the obvious thing. He didn't even call on me. He didn't even get to ask a question, Jimmy, with me. Jimmy boy. Oh, oh. Room where there were foreign journalists uh, seated. He didn't even know who he was calling on. Oh. At times, he was calling on. Uh, uh, these these peasant journalists from other countries, he didn't even know their names. I don't even know their names. They are unimportant randoms. He should have called on us. We're the important ones. We are the newsmakers. We are the dreamers of dreams. Should have called on us, not them. Fuck them. Fuck them. He fucked me. I'm Jim Acosta. I work for CNN. I'm in the White House Press Corps. I'm not some random, unknown, unintelligible foreign journalist. Who the hell does this president think he is? Uh, reporters from Russian uh, state media, Chinese state media, uh, Sean Hannity from Fox. Uh, and, and Did he just say Sean Hannity from Fox? He just, he just said he didn't know who he was calling on. Breaking, Donald Trump doesn't know who Sean Hannity is. Jim Acosta. Largely just uh, avoiding taking questions from the White House press corps. I think that was by design. That was because he didn't want to really answer the questions about Michael Cohen. Uh (laughs) So what? We told you this was going to happen, Jim. We told you you'd get your press pass back, but that doesn't mean anybody has to fucking talk to you. I wouldn't talk to Jim Acosta if I was sitting next to him on a bus, let alone at a press conference. God. Uh, one question out of this entire news conference about Michael Cohen was asked of the president. And as you heard there in that in that comment you just played a few moments ago, uh, the president referring to the Michael Cohen testimony as a fake hearing. Uh, and the president was also cherry picking uh, what he liked from Michael Cohen's testimony, uh, basically saying that he was lying all the way through uh, his entire hearing, except for the part 
where he said uh, that the president, uh, according to the president, uh, was not guilty of any kind of uh, collusion with the Russians. Do you, do you see how stupid Jim Acosta is? <laughs> the president's such an idiot. He said that he said that Michael Cohen was lying through the whole hearing, except for the part when he said that there was no collusion. But Jim, are you saying that Michael Cohen was telling the truth the whole time? Well, no, no. Michael Cohen was telling the truth the whole time, except for the part where he said no collusion. <laughs> So all all of these intellectually inbred, stunted morons are going to be out there going, everything that Michael Cohen said is true. He's telling the truth. He swore. He's paid his price. He's paid his dues. He pled guilty. He's going to prison, you know. He's going to prison, you know. Every He wanted to clear the air. He wants a road to redemption. Didn't you hear? He loves his wife. He loves his kids. He loves America. Damn it. He's a patriot. He's a hero. He's a patriot. He wants to do the right thing. Everything he said was true. Donald Trump's a racist. He slept with porn stars. He sent me money. He had business deals in Russia. What about the no collusion part? Well, he's, he's clearly making that up. No, that's... that's <laughs> he, he doesn't know. He doesn't really know. No, the bit where he said that there's no collusion, he's making that up. That's, that's, that's you know... That's something else. He's lying. Clearly lying. We know that there's collusion. He doesn't have to say that there's collusion. We know that there's collusion. But everything else, everything else is true. (laughs) Nice work, Jim. Nice work, Jimbo. Jimmy boy. (laughs) My man, Jimbo. Showing once again why he's very average. Cleaners found house filled with 400 bottle, uh, 400 bags of human poo and 250 bottles of pee. Well, you got to prep. You never know when you're going to need that human shit, are you? An extreme cleaning company has released a picture of its dirtiest jobs, including a house filled with 400 bags of human excrement and more than 250 bottles of urine. Ah, oh, what the f- fuck is wrong with people like there is a toilet right it's a house there has to be a toilet there's an outside just say that there isn't a toilet in the house there is an outside of the house where you can toilet you don't have to piss in but who pill who pisses in 250 bottles (laughs) what the hell are you saving it for (laughs) Man, man, oh man. Well, you went away. 250 bottles of fucking urine. Oh, look at this. <laughs> look at this. <laughs> Look at this ashtray. So the guys just used the top drawer of his bedside table as the ashtray. <laughs> I love the can of deodorant there, just to get rid of the smell. <laughs> so you've got 5,000 cigarette butts in the top drawer of your bedside table and a can of deodorant. This will fix it. <laughs> Mum's coming over for a visit. Hang on, I'll clean up. 
scoop all of the cigarette butts into the drawer, spray a bit of deodorant around that sucker. It'll be fine. She won't even know the difference. If it can keep me free of BO, then it can certainly keep my house from smelling like the world's largest ashtray. Antifa Armory says General Eden. <laughs> oh yeah, this is this is next level hoarding, Kimmy. Absolutely. This is where the guy slept. Oh. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'm no angel here. I'm no angel in this department. And from time to time, late at night, I have been known to fall asleep in the wet spot. <laughs> but if you look at this mattress... It looks like it is almost covered in shit. There are shit stains. I don't know if I could go that far. Sometimes you just want to roll over and get to sleep after the deed is done. You know? Oh, there's a little wet spot. Oh, well. You know, we had fun, didn't we? But, the, but this, this. Like, look at the pillowcase. It's brown. I don't think it's intended to be brown. I think it started off pure white like driven snow. A mouldy bed looks comfy. Yes. In addition to the dumped bodily fluids that took five hours to clear, only five hours, that is some cleanup job, the couple have tackled rooms with every available inch covered with filth and dealt with one tiny flat that generated four tons of rubbish. Other pictures that make their horror, horror gallery include a garden area piled high with dozens of bin bags, a soiled mattress, and a toilet totally coated in filth. They were also called to do a clean on one home where they found more than 30,000 used needles. <laughs> See, I'd like to think that if I was a junkie, I would at least take the needle that I've just used and put it in the bin. Because, you know, I don't want to get AIDS, right? So, okay, I've used one needle. Like, they're disposable. They're, here's the thing. You can't use disposable needles unless you actually go through with the act of disposing of them. You can't just keep buying disposable needles and keeping them piling up around the place. You actually have to dispose. Until the needle is disposed, then it, it, it is not a disposable needle. It's just a needle. Two people did this. Yes, just two. Just, just two? Two hundred people? No, sir, just two. Just two? Try to work that into every show. Leanne, 48, a former teacher from Callington, Cornwall, said, We had to empty a flat of rubbish and bodily fluids. There were 270 50 mil bottles of urine and 400 bags of poo. <laughs> there were 70 bottles of urine in the airing cupboard as well as poo in the bath. Oh. <laughs> Look at that. Wow. Uh, just, a, just a reminder, ladies and gentlemen, these people vote. These people are voters. <laughs> if you think you're going to convince these people that, you know, illegal immigration is bringing diseases into the country, guess again. <laughs> Guess again, they're not going to be convinced by that. Meanwhile, Bernie Sanders rolls up. Everybody should have a free apartment. Fuck yes, now I can shit for free. Woo! Be well, but have a 
couple run two businesses, Certitude Cleaning Services Limited and Traumatic Cleanup, which involves crime scene, crime scene cleaning. The couple say their sense of humour gets them through the toughest situations. Leanne added, Kenny's son Ryan, who works with us, picked the smallest straw and spent five hours discarding urine and poo. How do you cope with something like that? You make sure you don't pick the short straw and you wear a good mask, white suits, gloves, and make sure your water bottle is unique so you don't mix things up. Sifting through items is the most difficult because whilst you believe that most people live in a safe environment, in our job, we have to be aware of drug paraphernalia, which is sometimes not thought about when we are booked to carry out the work. I saw this story earlier. I wasn't going to read it, but we may as well do it. Detective facing the sack for farting on duty and repeatedly saying cunt. (laughs) A detective would break wind and use strong language around the police station, could lose her job. DC, which stands for, I assume, Detective Constable Claire Fitzpatrick, 44, is accused of repeatedly repeatedly using the word cunt and breaking wind in front of others. There she is. In a bid to prevent herself being fired, she said the behaviour was part of a culture of banter. Just some bants, mate. Hey, we're just having some bants. What's your fucking problem, you cunt? (laughs) Hey, hey, pull my finger. (laughs) You know, detective, you should really uh, carry yourself with a certain level of professionalism. Shut up, you cunt. Shut up and pull my finger. Look, look, I'm going to rip one, all right? I'm going to rip one and only a cunt would say I can't. Culture of banter at her village police station in Bedworth, South Wales. She is accused of, quote, farting outside her sergeant's office, telling a suspect you're driving like a cunt, asking a junior colleague if he wanted an affair with a fatter, ugly older woman, (laughs) asking another colleague in a busy station for thrush cream. Oh, she's a keeper, this one. I like her. She'd be like a, she'd be a bride-to-be in Australia. In the UK, she gets fired. In Australia, she's hot property. She said that swearing was just the nature of the place and that cunt had replaced fuck as her word of choice. <laughs> DC Fitzpatrick admitted breaking wind outside the sergeant's office but insisted that it wasn't deliberate. I would joke about it. Sometimes I would speak like the character Borat or use a silly voice to say rather out than in. DC Fitzpatrick, who has served on the force for 22 years, so she's not a newcomer, faces 25 counts of inappropriate behaviour. Speaking about the junior colleague she propositioned, she said, I met the officer a couple of months before. There was a bit of banter. I don't know how the conversation started, but we started talking about whether he had girlfriends or children. I said, well, if you ever fancy an affair with a fatter, ugly, older woman who wears glasses, I have a number. See, that's, that is just banter. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. She's obviously joking. He said, no, thank you. In response, I pretended to throw up in my mouth and he moved away to sit down. <laughs> OC Mike's in love. (laughs) I thought instantly that I had said the wrong thing at the wrong time. I went over to him, put my hand on his shoulder and said that I didn't mean it, that he didn't know my sense of humour and that I was sorry. He kind of acknowledged that. He knew I wasn't serious. Speaking about the suspect she called a cunt, she said the officer with me said, Sergeant, you can't say that to him. Fuck off. (laughs) Fuck off, you cunt. You're a cunt too. I, just, I took a deep breath with my head in my hands and I said, I'm sorry to the driver. This is bullshit. The driver also apologised for his driving and his manner towards us. So maybe he was a cunt. Maybe he deserved it. 
Why can't policemen call somebody a cunt if they deserve it? Tell me that. Tell me. Why not? Sir, do you know why I've pulled you over? Well, no, I don't, officer. Why? Because you were driving like a cunt you was. Now, pull my finger. She denies using bullying or inappropriate behaviour, and the hearing continues. She's a superstar. She's an absolute superstar. See, I'd much rather work with someone like that than someone who wants to walk around on eggshells and get offended at everything that goes on in the office, wouldn't you? She sounds like an actual real-life normal person for a change, working at the police. Fuck me, it's a miracle. Good on you, you cunt. Well done. Sinsake says, I find her cavalier attitude refreshing. Exactly. It's about time. Now she's going to get the sack for it. It happens. Um, do you want to do a bit of gender roles? We can do a bit of gender. Some TED Talks are good. Some TED Talks are good. I'm not sure this one is going to be, and I'm not sure how much of it we're going to watch. Maybe just a couple of minutes. Let's have a look at the gender wars. Let's see what's going on. The power of women's anger. The power of women's anger. (laughs) Don't say cunt, though. Sometimes I get angry, and it took me many years to be able to say just those words. In my work, sometimes my body thrums. I'm so enraged. Oh, triggered. But no matter how justified my anger has been, throughout my life, I've always been led to understand that my anger is an exaggeration, a misrepresentation, that it will make me rude and unlikable. Mainly... Maybe it, maybe it will, darling. Depends what you're getting angry about and who you're getting angry with. You know, for example, if you're uh, giving speeches about how it's unfair that uh, people don't like you when you're angry, then I can see why you would be perhaps a little bit less popular than you would otherwise be. Maybe. Maybe. Just throwing that out there. As a girl, I learned, as a girl, that anger is an emotion better left entirely <laughs> Comment in the chat, Sid Stokes says, okay, I've seen enough. <laughs> Think about my mother for a minute. Give her a chance. We wouldn't want to piss her off now. When I was 15, I came home from school one day, and she was standing on a long veranda outside look, of our kitchen, holding a me. giant stack of plates. Imagine how dumbfounded I was when she started to throw them like frisbees <laughs> into the hot, humid air. When every single plate had shattered into thousands of pieces on the hill below, she walked back in, and she said to me cheerfully, how was your day? (laughs) (sighs) Now, you can see see (laughs) how a child would look at an incident like this and think that anger is silent and isolating, destructive and even frightening. Right. Especially, though, when the person who's angry is a girl or a woman. Okay. The question is why. Why? Anger is a human emotion, neither good nor bad. It is actually a signal emotion. It warns us of indignity. Okay, so if anger's not bad, why then? (laughs) See, this is such bullshit, what these people talk about. Oh, women aren't allowed to be angry. It's not... Women women get criticised if they're angry. Bullshit. 
If you say something calm as a white male, you'll be accused of being what? An angry white man. <laughs> if you say, you know what? I don't think this unchecked mass immigration is a really good idea. Say, ah, oh, you're just an angry white man afraid of losing their privileged status in society. You're afraid of change. You're afraid and angry and you're lashing out at brown people. And you're like, okay. Tell, tell me more about how we need to embrace the, the female rage of the modern age, please. Threat, insult, and harm. And yet, in culture after culture, anger is reserved as the moral property of boys and men. There it is. Now, there to be is. sure, there are differences. So in the United Okay. Anger is reserved as the moral property of boys and men. Let's have a look at this. Uh, this is from the, Huff, uh, the Huffington Post. How good men can fight toxic masculinity, in case you missed it. The Me Too movement is demanding massive shifts in the way that people interact. And while the spotlight hits the high-profile cases, the movement really progresses when we stop thinking about good guys and bad guys and start having honest, everyday conversations. Everyone's so I sat down with a panel of reporters and real people who grapple with their own masculine expressions. Who have I been up to this point as a man? What has that meant? And even if you think of yourself as a good guy or a nice guy, how have you maybe been part of the problem? <laughs> you see how... You see how very uh, delicately she slipped in there. Uh, real people. <laughs> real people talking about their own issues with masculinity. No, no, no. See, real people don't talk about their issues with masculinity as like a construct of the patriarchy. That doesn't happen. That's not a real conversation. Those are the kind of conversations that happen between Huffington Post journalists in, you know, in offices with random books stacked for no particular reason whatsoever under pot plants. That's that's where these conversations occur. That's not real. That's not real. This is constructed. This is a constructed situation. This is a constructed reality talking about the constructed reality of toxic masculinity. Masculinity should not be this fragile. All these things are happening now that changes the way we think about who we are. And I think that's just going to keep snowballing. Right. But first, I talked to somebody dedicated to empowering men to speak up for themselves. When I was starting to really tap into the fact that... Now, they don't tell you, you're not allowed to know anymore, um, but I'm pretty sure that this is a transgender man. So this was a woman who has become a man who is now giving classes on how to fight toxic masculinity. I thought I identified as trans. I had lots of people in my life say, the world doesn't need another man, Aaron. Like, why would you add to that? You're just going to become another tool of the patriarchy. And that... <laughs> Why would you become a man? You're just going to become another tool of the patriarchy. You're going to you're going to become the enemy, mate, if you become a man. So I guess the best thing that you can do, I guess what we would want you to do is if you do become a man, then go out and start giving lectures to men and telling them what it means to be a man. Please, please. I'm all ears. That weighed really heavily on me, and I had to ultimately make the choice that the world is not going to be hurt by me authentically. Conscious, no, the world is not going to be hurt by you. Conscious masculinity coach. A conscious masculinity coach. I don't even know what that means. Maybe that, 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 that probably proves why I'm part of the problem. Because I haven't considered terms like conscious masculinity. I just open doors for women when they need to, you know, get into cars or... You know, if I go to a restaurant with my sweetheart, I'll pull the chair out for her, you know, stuff like that, shit like that. 
I don't hit girls. You know, when I'm introduced to a, a woman who's older than me, like I'll, you know, I'm not going to, you know, shake a hand like I would a man, you know, delicately. Nice to meet you. Put one hand there, let her put her hand in your hand, and then you put your other hand on the top of their hand. So it's an absolute pleasure to meet you, my dear. Stuff like that. I guess this is all toxic behavior. <laughs> what I really what I really need is um, a new man to tell me how to become a new man myself. Ultimately make the choice that the world is not going to be hurt by me authentically self-expressing and actually the world needs another man like me. Aaron is a trans educator who offers toxic masculinity workshops to men who may or may not grasp the gravity of rising movements like Me Too and struggle to really understand what it means for their own gender expression. I just, I just want to put this out there. If you ever see me at a toxic masculinity workshop for any reason other than material, you, you have permission to shoot me at that point. Okay? Just letting you know. Just letting you know. Through this, Aaron's discovered that the story of his transition actually strikes a lot of similarities to the identity crisis that he's seeing amongst men in this moment. I have deep compassion for what it feels. Sorry, sorry. Am I allowed to say that? I don't know if I'm allowed to say that because isn't the whole point about, you know, not being afraid to genuinely express yourself, right? So if I genuinely express myself and saying you'll never see me dead inside a toxic masculinity workshop... Is that cool, bro? Are we cool? Are we cool? Are you allowed to express yourself honestly and openly as a man if you say these things or not? Or no? Is that something you're not allowed to do? Just want to make sure. Just want to make sure I'm not doing the wrong thing here. Follow? You with me? Let's carry on. Hey, where's my phone? And that your authentic emotional expression was going to get you in trouble. Question in and the chat from NetDrag. Boogie, is a gay trans person actually straight? Good question. I'll have to come back to that. Like, <laughs> I wait, I have no permission to anymore. do that again? And I don't even, you know, it's like being in cryo sleep for 50 years and waking up and having to use muscles that you haven't used in that long. Right. It is often these days what draws people to my story because... To be trans right now is to be radically self-expressed in a world that has conditioned you to be otherwise. So is the Me Too movement... Okay, so again, if you are radically self-expressed, what, what if, say, for example, you come out and do, you know, deny the existence of trans identities, perhaps, a hypothetical situation, and you are a man? Now... One may be able to successfully argue that this is indeed radically self-expressing because uh, if you do so, you will be charged as you know a hater of people. You hate people. You're denying people's existence. You'll be yelled at. You'll be fired from your job. You'll be kicked off social media. You'll be lambasted, right? There's a horrible bigot and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Wouldn't that be the more radical thing to do? Just asking for a friend. Just curious. Movement as much of an overhaul for men, you think, or for the masculine as it is for the feminine. Yes, for oh, some okay. of the men who are like, I don't know, I don't know what to do in this world anymore. Who have that kind of exasperated response to me too? There's this sense of like the rules of the game have changed, and you told me that if I acted this way, 
then I would be amazing, that everything would be okay. And I did that even against some of my deeper human instincts. And now, like, who am I? How do I reconstruct my identity? Um, and reconstruct my identity as a, as a man. So men don't know what's going on in the world anymore. So they need to, it's on them now to reconstruct their identity. Do you see? See the 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 destruction of like traditional male identity is is it's happened now, and now it's the cleanup job. Now it's the job to reconstruct men the way we want them to be. But we don't want to tell anybody how to express themselves because that would be inherently wrong unless <laughs> you are toxic. Then you need to be reconstructed into a non-toxic version of yourself. And deeply move through not just claiming a more positive masculine archetype, but actually having to physically experience the grief, the loss, the shame, all of it, whether or not you are someone who has actively perpetrated violence in this life. Aaron uh, acknowledges that. Wait, wait. So we all need to feel like perpetrators, even if we're not perpetrators. Okay. So I like where this reconstruction's going. I like, we've started on the right foot. Okay. Everybody's a rapist. Go. <laughs> Make this your starting point. <laughs> Everybody is a violent rapist. Do you feel it? Do you feel like a violent rapist? Yes, I do. It feels horrible. Good. Now, don't do that. Don't be that. The grief, the loss, the shame, all of it, whether or not you are someone who is active. See, like, we used we used to celebrate, uh, you know, joy and happiness and beauty and strength and victory and, you know, overcoming our challenges. We're now being told that you have to focus on shame and guilt and pain and you, you know what I mean? Like this is what makes a man a man is, you know, constantly focusing on their shortcomings and feeling inadequate. Like this is, this is what you're supposed to do now. Do you want to hear it again? And now, like, who am I? How do I reconstruct my identity um, and, and deeply move through not just claiming a more positive masculine archetype, but actually having to physically experience you the have grief, to, the you loss, have to physically the shame, experience it. all of it, whether or not you are someone who's actively perpetrated violence in this life. Wow. Aaron acknowledges that men hold a huge responsibility in the Me Too movement. But before they can fully show up, they need to take steps towards healing. Uh, we need the first to thing heal. I would say... We need to... <laughs> Baby, I get so excited. <clears throat> Sea is rising inside of me. When I get that healing, I am a rapist. We need to go through some healing, the guilt, the shame, the, 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 the torment, ladies and gentlemen. We need to reconstruct man in a new image. Baby! Is that it really starts with actually letting yourself understand how you feel in this moment. Oh, it's making me think about this. It's making me think about that. Just letting letting yourself write it out, helping your, helping your right. subconscious. <laughs> write it out, write it out. We all need to keep diaries now. Today, I felt like a cunt. <laughs> Today, I felt a little bit toxic. I'm toxic, you're slipping under. 
Today, I shamelessly flaunted my toxic masculinity in front of others. It felt good. <laughs> I am not ashamed and I'm not guilty. I don't feel any pain. I am not a rapist and I'm not going to feel like one, regardless of your inane accusations and, you know, protest posters. <laughs> that was day one of my masculinity diary. Know why you're so triggered about it? I'm because so there triggered. May be things about your past that you don't. <laughs> Are you triggered at home? Are you triggered at home watching this? I'm so triggered right now. I just can't even. I just can't even. I read a story today about um, <laughs> you know how people have the uh, what are they called? The emotional support animals, and they take them on planes. And this woman had a pit bull, and this pit bull bit off a five-year-old's face that mauled this five-year-old. And, like, nowhere in the article was it saying that, hey, maybe we need to reassess this whole maniacal trend towards letting people have emotional support animals on planes and shit. Maybe we need to have another look at this, you know? Like, if you want to pat your cat, that's fine, but do it at home. No, 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 no. None, none of that. Can't, can't, can't make that suggestion. You would be a prick if you did that, right? That would be toxic masculine behavior at that point. So this, this five-year-old girl now has to live with the scars for the rest of her life of a pit bull biting off her face. But at least, at least the morbidly obese woman with self, self-image issues, at least she feels better about herself, right? At least she's okay. That's the main thing here. That's the main thing here. And if you say otherwise, well, you would be one of these toxic masculinist tools of the patriarchy who just want to hate people, who just want to make people feel upset. You don't understand or you don't remember. And then also doing that same thing for your understanding of masculinity. What's at stake for men is the ability to be able to show up fully and actually feel comfortable as yourself okay. to not feel like you are, like you have to defend yourself against anything and release yourself from the violence that you too have experienced. <laughs> don't defend yourself against what I'm saying. <laughs> the most... <laughs> God. So this guy... This person has just been saying that all men need to feel like the guilt and the shame and et cetera, et cetera, in order to, for us to grow as a society, regardless of whether they've actually perpetrated violence on other people or not. And then we need to reach out and say, hey, don't fight this. <laughs> don't defend yourself. <laughs> That's what real men do. Real men don't defend themselves when they're accused of you know, perpetrating rape culture. Real men don't defend themselves. Real men sit back and go, yeah, you know what? You're right. You're right. I have perpetrated rape culture somehow by proxy <laughs> at some point. And I need to be reconstructed. Under the patriarchy. Oh, the patriarchy. Healing is a big part of empowering men in the Me Too movement, but accountability Healing. is just We need important. to heal. Here to talk it out with me is the editorial director of HuffPost. They talk a lot about this, like men need to heal. I think they're overestimating the wound. You know what I mean? It's like, whoa, whoa, I don't need to go into surgery here. Just a Band-Aid will do it, you know? It's, like, it's just a paper cut. It's fine. We'll be fine. Let's just move on. Let's just carry on with our lives. No, 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 no. Calm down. Sit down. You need to heal. You need emotional healing. Would you like a pit bull? Would you like a pit bull? We'll just have to dig uh, the five-year-old's face out of its teeth before we give it to you because that's evidence now, just, just so you know. Personal Noah Michelson, 
editor of HuffPost Black Voices, Taryn Finley, journalist and filmmaker Milos Balac, and comedian, writer, and DJ Mamadou Njai. Noah, I want to start with you. Real what do you think it means to be traditionally masculine on the other side of this movement? I, I think that's that's a real people. Two Huffington Post editors, a film director, and a DJ. <laughs> Great question. I think for so long masculinity has. Where's the plumber? Where's the carpenter? Where's the bricklayer? Where's the guy who delivers concrete? Where are the, where are these real people? Where's the housewife? Housewives are real people too. Where are they? Where are these real people? Right? Where's the guy who cleans toilets for a living? Why doesn't he get to talk about his toxic masculinity? Why is it two Huffington Post editors, an arts, a liberal arts graduate, and a DJ? Where's the guy who works at McDonald's mopping the floor? Where's the shop assistant? Where's the taxi driver? Where's the busboy? Do they get to talk about their masculinity at some point? <laughs> Good question in the chat. Where's the hetero? <laughs> that one got me off guard. <laughs> They're too busy being toxic, says Kimmy. Ben, a really uh, sort of like... Salvatore says real posters. It's something that people wanted to be because it meant that you were capable, you were tough, you were strong. I think now, just in the last year, year and two years, we're starting to see that term is, you know, we, we link it to toxic masculinity. We think about it in ways that is actually really harmful to our culture. Um, <laughs> we can overturn, we can overturn thousands of years of societal development because in the last two years, somebody cooked up a phrase called toxic masculinity, and now all of the, everything that's happened in the past is now now deemed harmful. <laughs> Do you want to hear it again? Do you want to hear it again? <laughs> I love how these people hold these simultaneously conflicting opinions. So, on one hand, our society is always changing, but on the other hand, what we've just come up with in the last five years in regards to the patriarchy and toxic masculinity, that's going to be around forever and everybody needs to change in order to adapt to it, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, society's, society's views on gender and, and, you know, what a male's role in modern society, that's constantly evolving and changing and, you know, you, you, you just can't put people into, uh, you know, columns. You can't. There is no strict definition here. It's all fluid. It's subjective. But uh, in regards to toxic, uh, toxic masculinity, we immediately need to start educating five-year-olds about how they need to behave for the rest of eternity. What do you think it means to be traditionally masculine on the other My side? feelings won't heal. I, I think that's, that's a great question. I think for so long, masculinity has been a really uh, sort of like a beneficial thing. It's something that people wanted to be because it meant that you were capable, you were tough, you were strong. I think now, just in the last year, year just in the years, last, we're just in the last two years, that's changed. And so that's it now. It's over. It's over. You no longer want to be tough. You no longer want to be strong. You no longer want to be in control of your emotions. Now you want to be a blubbering, weak mess on the floor, crying at the drop of a hat, talking about the pain, the shame, and the guilt of things that you never actually did in order to heal society on behalf of the Me Too movement so you can fight the patriarchy. Jesus fucking Christ, what is wrong with these people? All right, this one was sent through by the good General Eaton. Oh, it's, you know what it is? It's time for... The 
Haven't done a weekly Stelter for a while. Been a few shows since we've seen Bri Bri. Uh, this is InfoWars' own Millie Weaver hitting up Brian Stelter after he gave a speech on, get this, ethics in journalism. <laughs> Brian Stelter, ladies and gentlemen, gave a speech. Uh, by the way, um, obviously, you know, toxic masculinity would be finding things like this, like finding um, female things like this There's offensive. No once he takes home It's horrible The clock The clock said seven Man I think I died and gone to heaven Cause he kept rocking With one steady This is very offensive. She's obviously making love to a toxic masculinist. Sounds like she hates it. Doesn't sound like she's having fun at all in this moment, does it? Must be awful for the young lady. I think she'd really prefer a man to, instead of making gratuitous, depraved love to her in ways that she couldn't possibly imagine. I think she'd prefer a guy to just sit down and talk about his feelings. Don't you? <laughs> I mean, it sounds like she wants someone to have a cup of tea. I'm sure she just wants a guy to sit down and talk about how he's he feels guilt for all of the other men in society who would fuck her like she wants to be fucked. <laughs> Sorry to get off topic there. Let's go to Millie and Bri Bri. It is late, by the way. I apologise to the Christians. The bit, well, I apologise to the Christians who are better Christians than me anyway. <laughs> the rest of you can go to hell. Oh, wow. Hey, Brian. Okay. So it's your why show. did you block Mark Dice on Twitter? Uh, first of all, hi. Hi. Thank nice you for asking you. questions. Millie Weaver. Brian. Yeah. Um, they're going to kick us out in a couple minutes, but I'm happy to talk. Okay, so, sure. But I do want to say hi to everybody else, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you. With some ideas for your show. Thank you. Awesome. So... Some, sometimes, so, uh, sometimes I block people because they're trying to gain fame and stature uh-huh. just by making silly jokes and attacks. Do you see how? He, do you see what a good, like, snivelly little toad he is? He's actually good at being a snivelly little toad. So he he's he's capable of turning everything into an attack. But he doesn't he doesn't come out and say you're trying to gain fame. He does it in a backhanded, snivelly little toad way. You know what I mean? Oh, look, it's nice to meet you. Look, so I can see I can see how he got to the position that he's in. It's nothing to do with his ability. It's probably his ability to backstab and undermine those around him. 
and be like it's it, you know what it is i'm sorry to use a toxic masculine uh, masculine uh, pardon me a toxically masculine term but he's kind of a bitch you know what i mean he's a little bit bitchy that's a bitchy thing to say to somebody Brian, why did you block me on Twitter? Oh, look, sometimes I block people because they're trying to gain fame from me. <laughs> and he looks at her like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, that's mean girls. <laughs> that's, a, that's a mean girls, toxic, bitchy way of addressing that question. <laughs> Slap. <laughs> so it's not worth it. He already has a big following, though. Yeah. That's a, it's, you know, he's okay. Okay. I think his videos are funny. You think his, you like his parodies of you? Mark I've only Dice. watched a couple, but they're pretty funny. Yeah. Okay, so another question. Yeah. You know, does CNN use... Put the glasses on like he needs to look at her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't see anything without these glasses. Oh, there you are. There you are. <laughs> Do I look intelligent? Do I look smart now? Again, another bitch move. Psychics as their sources. How did I don't know what you're talking about. How did CNN know to be outside of Roger Stone's home at so 3 a.m. in the morning, the, not the night he was arrested? So the crew got there at 5 a.m. Yeah. And that's because journalists have been staking out Robert Mueller's office every day. So I think it's... I think it's really sad that you believe conspiracy theories. See, see what I mean? He turns it, turns. He's he's very good at just turning it back around on you, turning it back to you. General says Dice has more viewers than CNN. Well, he does on on the internet. I'm sure. I don't know. I don't know about overall because there's people, <laughs> there's people who are waiting in line at airports right now who are watching CNN against their will. So they, I think they count as viewers, unfortunately. But in the true strict sense of the word, they're probably viewers, unfortunately. So, you know, <laughs> CNN is raping people. CNN is raping an audience in an airport near you right now as we speak. About CNN that come from people that just hate. Yeah, you just hate. You just hate people. I used to get this a lot when I was far younger and angrier and, you know, more involved in, you know, agitation and activism in, you know, in pseudo-political realms, I would often be accused, like if I was pushing somebody, right, and I'm pushing, like I'm pushing their shitty, their shitty um, argumentation or their shitty um, reasoning back at them. So like flipping it and throwing it back and you would get this thing like, why are you so obsessed with this? You know <laughs> It's like, well, you're the one that's trying to pass. You're the one that's trying to pass a law here. I'm trying to stop you from passing a law. So I'm not the one that's clearly. If you're trying, if you're the one that's trying to pass a law, you're the one that's obsessed with this situation. No, but I think you just hate me. Is that what it is? You hate me. <laughs> and then, of course, we would engage in a false flag and make them look like an idiot anyway. So fuck them. But. <laughs> No, that never happened. That never happened. That's bullshit you hear on the internet. That's fake news. Fake news. So, you know, this is this is the last resort of somebody who really has no ability to articulate a point strongly. Is they they'll just accuse you of being obsessed with them or hating them. And once once you hear that, you know you're in. 
once you hear that, you know you're under there under you're under their skin. So it's on you. Millie plays it perfectly. She just remains totally calm. Just one hundred. Just just she's just going mm hmm mm hmm because that drives them crazy. When you're like, okay, I when you when you do this, like, okay, I hear you. <laughs> I understand your perspective. So I can see how you might feel that I'm obsessed with you, or I can I can understand one hundred percent how you might feel like I hate you, and then you go again, then you go again. <laughs> Why do you have so much? Why do you have so much hatred? He says. <laughs> Why do you have so much hatred? <laughs> See, a lot of people at that point go because you suck. That's why. But you can't do that. Mm -hmm. I can. I, I feel. I feel your tension here. Conspiracy theories about hate. It's a matter of facts. That Roger Stone thing is. Question in the chat from Max. How is Jordan Peterson doing down under? Yeah, he did okay. He did okay. He gets a good reception here. Actually, a lot of the people that go to his shows down here are lefties. So that's that's interesting in of itself. There's no big protests or anything like that. Not like you see in the States or Canada. Um, we played a little bit of Jordan Peterson earlier. So if you want to go back, check out the replay, please do so. It's a silly conspiracy theory. Well, I just asked you a question as right. to it, as right. to how they but, knew that he was going to be arrested that day, and then you well, gave everyone, me an answer. So, so Roger Stone is known for months uh -huh. that he's likely to be arrested. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's but a matter of what day, day was he going to be arrested. What day, what time. And because CNN has been staking out Robert Mueller's office, we saw things happening at the office. We saw things happening at the office? It's like, oh, okay, so what, the... <laughs> The SWAT team now leaves from Robert Mueller's office now. That's that's interesting in of itself, isn't it? <laughs> we were staking out Robert Mueller's office and we saw things happening. What the fuck? Is, what things? Somebody get a pizza delivery? Right? Did somebody walk outside and have a fucking cigarette? What are you talking? What things are you talking about, Brian? What things? Speci we need specifics. There must have been something if you're going to try and pass off this bullshit story like, oh, we only went, we only ended up at Roger Stone's house because we were staking out Robert Mueller's office. I'm, su I'm sure you had people staked out at Robert Mueller's office at fucking four in the morning right? <laughs> when there's nobody in the office. Just two guys sitting in a car looking at a window with no light on all night from CNN. <laughs> Not the police. CNN. CNN on a stakeout watching an uninhabited office all night. And then they got the, then they got the tip off. We saw things happening, things, just things. You know, a genie a genie popped up out of a bottle. Some guy did a handstand. There was a circus clown involved. A, mar a mariachi band turned up at some point for no particular reason. There was just things happening. That's how we knew. It indicated that Friday was a likely arrest day. Uh, did, did you know that we actually had another stakeout that day that didn't turn out to be right? Because it wasn't just Roger Stone. We actually guessed somebody else in a different state was also going to be arrested, and we staked out their house, and they weren't arrested. So somebody who, who, who? I remember when I was a kid. Like, see that, what bullshit this is. I remember when I was a kid, and you know, you'd stay up too late at night. You'd have too much Mountain Dew, too much sugar, and you know, late at night, those uh, faith healers come on TV, and there was one in particular, a guy named Benny Hinn, and he would sit there. And he would read like donations live on the air, 
like so somebody like donates five thousand dollars to this faith healer and he would sit there and he'd go okay some somewhere somebody out there is an alcoholic you have been suffering with alcoholism for a long time i can feel i can sense you the lord is speaking through me he knows your pain he knows your suffering he knows everything about you 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 are healed i have healed you you are the alcoholic out there. You have been suffering for a long time with alcoholism. The Lord is speaking through me, and I have healed you now. You are now healed of your alcoholism. And then, like, people behind him are going, Oh, yes! Oh, my God! He's like a, a miracle worker! I remember back in the day, me and my mate getting high. Like, like we could totally do this. <laughs> we could absolutely do this. <sighs> you know what? We could... I could be way more believable than this fucking Indian guy. <laughs> just, what, what the fuck is that white suit, man? What the fuck, like somewhere out there, there is an alcoholic. You are now cured. What the fuck is that? Like at least get a blind guy up on stage and have him, you know, I can see, fuck, you know. <laughs> and he jumps out of the way of a train or something. Then then you've got a miracle. They're just sitting there going, oh, there's an alcoholic somewhere in the, I don't know, somewhere, somewhere on the East Coast. Let's not be too specific. He's out there somewhere. Who knows? <laughs> and now he's now he's no longer an alcoholic. <laughs> I remember. I remember the conversations with a mate who's. I, don't, I haven't seen him in a long time. He's probably in jail. He probably tried it. <laughs> he probably tried to do it somewhere at a fair or something. <laughs> We're like, we could totally do this. <laughs> we could do this. Get me a white suit. I'll be down there quick as a flash. Sometimes your gut is right, sometimes your gut is wrong. With Roger Stone, I'm really glad we, we so got the video because... why did the FBI let your so reporters great. be there? Because usually the FBI so the tells FBI reporters to get lost because it seems right. like it would have been a, 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 have a safety issue if Roger Stone was going to be someone who was dangerous. Yeah. Wouldn't that have been a have safety issue? Have you watched issue? the full video? Yeah. yeah, I've watched the so, video. So what I think, first of all, I think it's great cameras were there. I think we need to... <laughs> Give me in the chat. The rarity of an alcoholic watching TV at 3 a.m., it had to be real. It was just one guy. <laughs> one guy's life was changed. We'll never know who it is, and that's the magic of it. That's the beauty of it. Be able to see how our government uh, treats suspects. I think we should be able to see how these raids happen. Um, I want to see Roger Stone's raid. I wish Paul Manafort. I wish we had cameras I wish we had cameras everywhere invading every part of your personal space for the rest of our lives. I kind of get his point, though, but hes it's a bullshit point. Everybody knows he doesn't believe it because uh, there might have been police overreaction and stuff like that. Bullshit, Brian. Bullshit, mate. But see, he's very good at playing the bitchy I'm the good guy game. He's very good. Paul Manafort's house. Don't you think so? Don't you it's think good so? To see this, but don't don't wouldn't don't you want to make sure that the police aren't bashing old men over the head with batons? Don't you? Aren't you in favour of freedom and liberty? Aren't you? Are you an enemy of the people, Millie? Are you for a police state? Why do you hate so much? The answer about the FBI is, if you look at the full video, the camera crew was pushed back. And that's why the video isn't better. You actually don't see much of the arrest because the FBI did. Should have put a GoPro on the FBI agent's head. That would have, that. now we're talking, now we can really shift some viral videos. Get a GoPro. <laughs> CNN signs a deal, an exclusive deal with the FBI. Exclusivity. Move the crew do, you, do you think that Twitter should unban Alex Jones and Infowars? I don't know. 
Uh, I think it's a really complicated subject. I'm not sure. It's too complicated. Do you think Twitter should unban Infowars and Alex Jones? Well, it's a simple yes. It is. It's a simple yes, no. It's not, I don't know, it's complicated. It's not really. It's not really. Yes. Twitter should unban Alex Jones and Infowars. Yes. You got your what, 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 what? You're, <laughs> you're in favor of hate speech. Uh, yep. Yep. Sure am. Sure am, bugalugs. I love it. I listen to hate speech to fall asleep at night. Can't tell you how much I love hate speech. Love hate speech. Oh, fuck these people. Fuck this guy. He's a maggot. I'm like, oh. <laughs> What the right answer is? Journalism, though. I'm concerned about the slippery slope. Censorship? How is there? What if that slippery slope went against you, Brian? First of all, I love your photos. <laughs> so that's Caitlin Bennett. She's like a. She's a bit cringy sometimes, but she goes on campuses with a open carry gun and talks to people on campuses. Everybody knows people on campuses are fucking stupid, but it's easy. It's easy for you know, fifty thousand hits on YouTube, kind of thing. But that's fine. That's what she does. That's, you know, that's all good. Well, I'm more than happy for her to do that. That's fine. Um, But see, again, the bitchy move by Brian, right? The bitchy move. So, like, I've seen your photos. They're very good. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't address the question directly. Because I think she posed at one point, didn't she? Someone can correct me in the chat. I think she posed at one point for, like, a calendar and had a gun and stuff like that. I think that's the same chick. I've seen your I've seen your photos. They're very good, but say diminishing her is like a. She's not asking questions directly. She's you know, doing it for viral videos and stuff, which is the same thing he said to Weaver to begin with, and it might well be true. Don't get me wrong, but he's being kind of bitchy about it. So, uh, I think it's very smart the way you built up a viral following. What about say he didn't didn't answer the question? I think it's very smart the way you built up a viral following. Oh, he's such a bitch, isn't he? What Alex did with the Sandy Hook victims was despicable. Okay, chap. But isn't that such a bitchy thing? The way you build up a viral viral following. It's very creative. <laughs> question. Answer the question. What if that slippery slope went against you? What if you were the man? But that's why I said I don't. I don't have a. Okay, graduation pick holding an AR-15. There you go. It was a really good I don't know Very good uh, if Facebook Very did the right thing or not. So That's you, not for me to decide. But CNN That's has for Facebook. For, That's for Facebook CNN to decide. CNN has called for some of these social media sites to crack down on InfoWars. And CNN shows. has not called for that. They have. And all CNN all has asked. Yeah. Um, the guy in the chat saying what he did with the Sandy Hook kids was despicable, in my honest opinion. That's great. You are free to air your opinion, sir. You know, people say it's despicable. People don't say, eh, who cares? See, I don't have a problem. You can say you can say everything's despicable. That's uh, I don't give a fuck. the The issue I have is when somebody says something is despicable, therefore everybody else has to think it's despicable too. And then then I'm like, well, fuck you. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying you're doing this, but the, this is the way it generally goes. Of course, he should be banned because what he said here was despicable and wrong, and we don't need that on social media. I'm like, well, fuck you. Who are you to decide for me what I can and can't listen to? Just because I'm not as easily offended as somebody else doesn't mean I have less of a right to hear something because free speech is a two-way street, baby. It's not just about someone's freedom to speak. It's about someone's freedom to listen. 
And, you know, if you're infringing on my right to hear somebody, then I'm like, well, who the fuck are you to decide what I can and can't listen to? Yeah, I know you're being, I'm, I know, I'm not directing this at you. I'm just making a general point. So, you know, people can like, dislike, th- this is the problem. Um, the problem isn't whether people like or dislike what a certain person says. The problem is when they use that like or dislike to stop everybody else from hearing it. That's the problem. Because this is the way it should work. If you don't like it, don't listen to it. And you don't like the fact that other people are listening to it? Too fucking bad. <laughs> Too bad. Tell them why they shouldn't listen to it. No, I'm, I'm, I've just said like twice, I'm not directing this directly at you, right? <clears throat> so I'm just making a general point. So that's, that's the issue for me. But you're more than welcome to say that, you know, what he said was despicable and stuff. That's fine. I don't care. That's good. Have at it. Have at it, son. Good stuff. Let's carry on with Brian. So I think what Oliver did that was so smart was he just asked a really simple question. Do these pages violate your misinformation policy? And so that's actually Facebook's responsibility, not CNN's. But CNN technically has violated misinformation clauses on social media. You guys have gotten caught putting out hoaxes and fake news stories that you've later had to retract. But CNN has violated the... CNN has violated the misinformation clause. You guys have been caught putting out hoax stories and stuff, and then it's like all of a sudden just some guy just happens to Randy. Oh, hi, how are you? Nice to meet you. How are you going? <laughs> that couldn't have looked worse. <laughs> See, even then, you, Brian, you've got to have the sense to, to, to that person that's just walked up and interjected, you know, and given you an opportunity to get out of this. That's that's not the way this works. You have to, at that point, turn around and say, just one second, I'll just finish up here. And then you, you give an answer, and then you can go and shake the guy's hand. But if you do it right there at that second, it just looks bad. <laughs> that's okay. Nice to see you. Uh, thank you for, uh, for being here. I appreciate it. And he's off. He's off. Very interesting. Brian, and that awesome uh, presentation. Thank you. Really Don't have to answer. Wow. I have one more question for you. How can you to talk about ethical journalism and then falsely say that the U.S. has a radical, endless mass shooting problem? How can you say that? That's false. I did not say the U.S. has a radical, endless mass shooting problem. You said that the U.S. I said there are a lot of mass shootings. No, you didn't. didn't. He's sweating now. He's sweating now, baby. Endless mass shooting problem in the U.S. Okay. That is false. Okay. What you're arguing is an opinion, not no, a fact. It's, it's a fact. Okay. I'm not going to debate opinion. You- Max in the chat. Should anti-vax maniacs have a platform? Everybody should have a platform. If you want to, if you decide that somebody's a maniac, you don't have to engage with that platform. That's where I stand. Everybody can have a platform. In fact, if if somebody is mad, is completely insane, like for example, like. In your example, say somebody who is anti-vax maniac, they can have a platform. I would put hate preachers that have a platform from other parts of the world. I would even give, you know, university professors who say things like, you know, white people should be thought of as like a flesh-eating virus that is destroying the earth. I would give them a platform. I would put them on primetime news, my friend. Because the more exposure they have to everyone, then if you know if you are correct and these people are maniacs, then we want as many people as possible, you know, seeing why they're maniacs, don't we? 
So ideally, we would want to put people who you you would say are maniacs in front of everybody, so everybody can see how maniacal they are, and then you know nobody has to seek it out, nobody has to go underground, and then it's problem solved. The more the more we get maniacs in front of everybody's eyes, the less work you'll have to do suppressing maniacs. It's very simple stuff. Everybody gets to see it. Wow, that guy's a maniac. Next, done. That's why we have free speech. Can you elaborate on endless mass shooting problems? What statistics do you have to back that up? Okay. If you are okay with the number of people killed in this country by weapons, that's okay. Are you okay, okay with the number of people saved okay every that. year due to the number of weapons in this I am so country? thankful that I am so thankful that some people are saved. Three million lives guns. every year. That's. I'm not going to debate with you whether there's an endless mass shooting. Problem. You said that there was. CNN have <laughs> Look at the smile. Yeah, the smile's it. back. Yes. 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 He thinks he's. He thinks he's still on his TV show. He thinks he can just say like a line at the end and it's going to cut to commercial now at this point. Look, <laughs> I'm Brian Stelter. I'm not going to debate with you whether or not there's a mass shooting problem. I'm Brian Stelter and this is Reliable Sources. Smile, cut to commercial. <laughs> he just keeps smiling. It's like, where's the producer? Why isn't this cut yet? I don't understand. Excellent stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, that was... Okay, let's go through your stuff. Let's see what we got here. Let's see what we got in the big Twitter file. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. It is creepy. General Eaton's like, that's so creepy. <laughs> Farewell masculinity. National Review. Ben K. Veritas on point, ladies and gentlemen. Farewell masculinity. We'll miss you when you're gone. It's back in January 10. Who is going to kill all my spiders? <laughs> this is written by Heather Wilhelm, a sane woman, I assume. This week, the American Psychological Association delivered some sad news for fans of, quote, traditional masculinity. According to the organization's new, quote, guidelines for psychological practice with boys and men, the, quote, harmful ideology of masculine, harmful ideology. Masculinity is an ideology now. Wow. <clears throat> an ideology. Are you a communist? No. <laughs> Are you a conservative? No. Are you masculine? Yes, I am. Fuck you. Put them in camps. Marked by stoicism, competitiveness, dominance, and aggression, together with anti-femininity achievement, askew the appearance of weakness and adventure and risk of violence. Stoicism is something I really like. Let's find, like, a, for people who don't know what stoicism is, let's find a, one of those shitty little five-minute videos. <laughs> That explains philosophy and doesn't do anything justice. Let's see if this works. This is a film about stoicism and why you need more of it in your life. Because, as people seldom tell you, but we will, quietly. Stoicism was a philosophy that flourished for 480 years in ancient Greece and Rome and was popular with everyone from slaves to the aristocracy because, unlike so much philosophy, it was helpful. Helpful when we panic, want to give up, despair and rage at existence. We still honour this philosophy whenever we think of someone as brave and, without perhaps quite knowing why, call them Stoic. There are two great philosophers of Stoicism. The first is the Roman writer and tutor to Nero, Seneca. 
He lived between AD 4 and AD 65. That's right, tutor to Nero, the infamous dictator who slept with his own mother, raped young boys, and just because he felt like it, asked his old tutor, Seneca, to commit suicide in front of his own family. And our other guide nice to Stoicism chap. is the kind and magnanimous Marcus Roman Aurelius. emperor Marcus Aurelius, AD 121-180, who was forced to spend most of his reign on the edges of the <clears> empire, <throat> fighting off invincible Germanic hordes, but found... I know it's a cliche, but if you haven't read um, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, that should be top of your list. Top of your list. ...time to write one of the greatest works of philosophy, The Meditations, in his tent at night. There are two problems Stoicism can help us with in particular. The first is anxiety. When you're feeling anxious about something, most people are maddening. They believe it's their duty to cheer you up. However intelligent they might otherwise be, they say things like, it'll be okay, don't worry, even cheer up. The Stoics were appalled. They hated any kind of consolation that aims to give the listener hope. Hope is the opium of the emotions and must be stamped out conclusively for a person to stand any chance of inner peace. (laughs) You'd say why it appeals to me. hope only lifts you up higher. We're all doomed! the Stoics advise us to take a different path. To be calm, one has to tell oneself something very dark. It will be terrible. I might have to go to prison. The lump really could be malign. I probably will be fired and humiliated. My friends almost certainly will succeed. But, a huge, consoling, stoic but, one must keep in mind that one will, nevertheless, be okay. Okay, because in the end, as Marcus Aurelius said, we are each of us stronger than we think. Prison won't be fun, nor will losing one's job or being made a laughingstock, but one will get through it. Stoicism emboldens us against the worst fate can throw at us. And if you really, really can't take it, suicide is always an option. The Stoics mention this repeatedly. Here is Seneca. Can you no longer see a road to freedom? It's right in front of you. You need only turn over your wrists. To build up an impression of one's own resilience, the Stoics suggested one regularly rehearse worst-case scenarios. For example, twice a year, one should take off one's smart clothes, get into some dirty rags, sleep on a rug in the kitchen floor, and eat only stale bread and rainwater from an animal's bowl. And thereby, you'll make an amazing discovery. As Marcus Aurelius put it, almost nothing material is needed for a happy life, for he who has understood existence. Another subject of interest to the Stoics was anger. Romans were a bad-tempered lot. The Stoics wanted to calm them down, but they did so by an unusual route, by intellectual argument. They proposed that getting angry isn't something you do by nature because you have a Latin temper or are somehow inherently hot-blooded. It's the result of being stupid, of having the wrong ideas about life. (laughs) Anger stems when misplaced hope smashes into unforeseen reality. We don't shout every time something bad happens to us, only when it's bad and unexpected. For example, you never shout just because it started raining, even though rain can be horrible, because you've learned to expect rain. The same should apply to everything. Don't only expect rain, expect betrayal, infamy, sadism, theft, humiliation, lust, greed, spite. One will stop being so angry when one learns the true facts of the misery of life. The wise person should aim to reach a state where simply nothing could suddenly disturb their peace of mind. Every tragedy should... Kim Boyd in the chat says, he just said suicide is always an option. Well, definitionally, it's true that suicide is an option. It's not one that's advised, you know what I mean? (laughs) But um, for the sake of logic, I guess it is an option, right? It's not one that we want people to take, see? But I did I did preface this video at the beginning by saying I'm going to play one of those shitty four-minute rundown videos that tries to boil down philosophical concepts in, like, 
bite-sized form. So, you know, you you have been warned. <laughs> you have been tr- I'm sure it's not just like, well, why don't you just kill yourself? I'm sure there are pages and pages and pages and chapters and chapters and chapters and chapters, right? <laughs> Already be priced in. We're going to leave you with the most beautiful remark that Seneca made, just as Nero's guards were grabbing him and shoving him into a bathroom where he was meant to take a sharp knife and kill himself. His wife, Polina, and two children were panicking, weeping, clinging to his cloaks. But Seneca turned to them, pulled a weary smile at them, and simply said, What need is there to weep over parts of life? The whole of it calls for tears. We have much to learn from the Stoics. There you go. There's your shitty four-minute rundown video of Stoicism. Back to our article here. The harmful ideology of masculinity marked by stoicism, competitiveness, dominance and aggression together with anti-femininity achievement askew the appearance of weakness and adventure, risk and violence has got to go. It's got to go. Here I imagine a mournful, windswept cowboy, preferably Val Kilmer from Tombstone. This girl has very specific tastes. Or maybe Harrison Ford from Indiana Jones. Just on Indiana Jones, I put this out on Twitter a while ago. Do you prefer Indiana Jones' Han Solo? I mean, do you prefer... What's... I even forget the fucking actor's name. Harrison Ford. Do you prefer Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones or Harrison Ford as Han Solo? See, I tend to think that Indiana Jones was like his moment and Han Solo, he was like a bit part player. But I think Han Solo was a good guy, a bad guy who did good things, but Indiana Jones is a good guy who does bad things, if that makes sense. Wearing a 10-gallon hat, riding off into the sunset, slumped and grim, dragging a sad cachet of uneaten rare steaks and unused power tools behind him. Farewell, traditional masculinity. You are too toxic. The APA told us so. Don't let those swinging Old West Baroom doors hit you on the way out, causing the old-timey piano music to abruptly stop and all the dust-strewn poker players who may or may not have had tuberculosis to turn and stare at you in shock and dismay. That is brilliant writing. Well done, Heather. Well done. Love it. Reader, I don't know how you feel about all this. For one, I, for one, find it very upsetting. For one simple and selfish reason, who is going to kill all the spiders that make their way into my house? That's a legitimate question. That's a valid question. I am now reminded of the movie Annie Hall, in which Diane Keaton's character phones Woody Allen's character in a panic at 3 a.m., and says, why are you having sex with my daughter? No. Her big emergency, as a disgruntled Alan discovers after stumbling over to her apartment, is the existence of a spider in her bathroom. Seeing her copy of National Review and being no fan of conservatism, his indignation flares into a shout, why don't you have William F. Buckley kill the spider? (laughs) Woody Harrelson was good. William F. Buckley, as we all know, would have done an unparalleled job of killing the spider, But that is neither here nor there. Also neither here nor there, it turns out, are the APA's loopy masculinity guidelines, which are the equivalent of 1,000 detached human hands nervously wringing themselves in the corner of a dark maze of funhouse mirrors accented by occasional annoying bursts of extremely woke strobe lights. That is fantastic. I love that shit. Such visual writing. Isn't that wonderful? I'm going to tweet this out. This is a great piece you've sent me, Ben. It's a pleasure to read. After reading the report, 
And if you ever question what opinion columnists do for America, one example of our lion-hearted public service involves reading goofy quasi-academic reports so you don't have to. I must admit that I question the very necessity of its existence. After all, the very idea of boys and men is quite gendered and outdated, is it not? As the APA's own new guidelines remind us, quote, it is critical to acknowledge that gender is a non-binary construct that it is distinct from, although interrelated to, sexual orientation. Gender, argues Ryan McDermott, a psychologist who assisted in writing the guidelines, is no longer just the male-female binary. It's a lo- <clears throat> well, it's not that long a piece. We may as well we may as well fucking power through it. So uh, wh- why even bother writing, writing, writing a report supposedly targeted white white reports now? Supposedly targeted at only boys and men. Who knows? Who cares? Oh, logic, you feckless roaming tumbleweed. In any case, the guidelines aren't really designed to discuss boys or men at all. Their main intention, it seems, is to hammer home the belief that everything gender-related is a social construct, that biology doesn't matter until we want it to, and that we are all bound like helpless mummies under intersectional layers of oppression that are primarily generated by, surprise, patriarchal men. Here is a sentence that actually exists on the APA's website. Paired with a summary of the new guidelines, quote, Indeed, when researchers strip away stereotypes and expectation, there isn't much difference in the basic behaviours of men and women. There is no direct or encompassing citation for this impressively sweeping statement, probably because it is A, untrue, B, scientific, and C, likely to make God laugh. (laughs) Excellent. How is it that we can live in a civilization so advanced that we can propel a rocket 33 million miles through the cold abyss of space to successfully land on a hostile and largely unexplored planet, but still manage to publish (laughs) insuant nonsense sentences like this? Never say life isn't mysterious, friends. It is mind-boggling. In any case, I will not leave the new, quote, guidelines for psychological practice with boys and men, end quote, without a bit of positive affirmation. Amazingly, <clears throat> it is correct a few times. For, for instance, it is not good to box people into rigid gender roles, nor is it good to teach boys to suppress their emotions just because they're boys. I don't see a whole lot of people doing this these days. Everyone's too busy lavishing kids with enthusiastic praise for spending six hours a day watching some guy named Ginger play Ninja Ninja play Fortnite on YouTube. But whatever. Also, Violence is bad except against spiders and it should not be glorified or celebrated. This is true whether it is a male or a female threatening to unceremoniously punch you in the often terrifying and anarchic line for the Walmart pre-Christmas sale. What about bravery? What about risk? What about, well, testosterone? What about the wild idea that there might be a natural, non-socially constructed difference between women and men? The APA summary report admits that some emblems of traditional masculinity might be worth keeping. Courage, for instance, and leadership, moreover, an APA-affiliated team is now working on a, quote, positive masculinity scale to capture people's adherence to the pro-social traits expected from men. Wow. (laughs) Oh boy, I can't wait, the writer adds. Just kidding. I can definitely wait. Luckily for me, it took the geniuses who wrote the current guidelines 13 whole years to put them together. So, so, So time might be on my side. In the meantime, people... Keep your eyes open and get your spiders killed while you still can. Excellent. Excellent. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. 
Wonderful article. Beautifully written. That was art. Okay. Twitter suspends more fake Howard Schultz fan accounts. <laughs> I'm inherently violent. It's true, says Sin Soaked. <laughs> this is CNET, and here are the stories that matter right now. What matters right now? FedEx is testing out a fleet of delivery robots Uh-oh. to operate on sidewalks and roadsides. This is an unintentional little video here. Deliveries, the robots delivery robots are coming for your jobs. Around pedestrians. To start... FedEx has also tapped Pizza Hut, Target, and Walmart for wow. testing. Wow. Samsung's fastest phone memory ever has gone. Delivery robots, ladies and gentlemen, coming to a coming to an, a house near you. It's going to be sad times for those women who upload videos of themselves, like, dropping a towel when the delivery boy comes. There's millions of them. You know, the flashes, they flash the delivery boy so they can get a viral video. It's going to be sad times for them. Unless the robot can experience an erection somehow. I'm not sure it can. Maybe it can fake it. That's that's a robot erection. That's what it sounds like. Just so you know. Twitter suspends more fake Howard Schultz fan accounts. Two days after suspending the fake Women for Schultz account. Must be fake. Look at him. I mean, look at him, right? <laughs> there, can't, there can't be any Women for Schultz. The social network takes action against three accounts spreading disinformation about the former Starbucks CEO. It's time to wake up, smell the coffee. Since late January, Twitter has suspended at least three Howard Schultz fan accounts for violating its policies. On Thursday, the site suspended three more accounts pretending to support the former Starbucks CEO and his political ambitions. Well, maybe they were just loitering. They were probably just loitering in the lobby of Twitter. Someone had to call the police and get them the hell out of there. <clears throat> Schultz hasn't officially announced he's running for president, but the businessman has said he's considering an independent run for the White House. Since his announcement in late January, a network of accounts pretending to support the former coffee shop executive have popped up on Twitter. On Thursday, Twitter suspended the accounts Gaze for Schultz, Prez for Schultz, and Howard J. Schultz. The Sh Howard J. Schultz account described itself as Millennials for Schultz. <laughs> Is that a ramrod or are you just glad to see me, says Max? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the gays for Schultz account responded to tweets about Ruth Bader Ginsburg conspiracy theories, while the press Schultz 2020 account posted anti-Muslim content alongside posts supporting Schultz's presidential ambitions. <laughs> Schultz didn't immediately respond to a request for comment. Creating social media profiles to fake support for politicians is not new. During the 2016 presidential election, Russian operatives, here we go, made fan pages of Facebook and Twitter and accounts on Twitter supporting third-party candidates such as Jill Stein with the intention of pulling votes away from Hillary Clinton, the Democratic candidate. Yeah. I'm just... <laughs> Everybody's doing it. <laughs> Everybody's doing it. It's not new. It's not new. Everybody's doing it. But we need to impeach this motherfucker, like, right now. Because those those 300 fake Twitter accounts, they stole the election. <laughs> Millennials for Schultz. There it is. <laughs> All right. NK Veritas from Progressive.org. This will be fun. The Cohen hearings and the pathology insecurity of white men... <laughs> All white men now. All of us. 
We're all New York lawyers to billionaires, didn't you know? That's my privilege. The closing moments of the hearing seem to serve as a therapy session for white men suffering from the uncomfortable feeling that their moral authority as well as their power is in decline. Well, they can't be too fucking powerful then, can they? Because if one joker like, you know, Michael Cohen can get up and do this little this little circus routine for the cameras and this all of a sudden signals the end of white power, then the whites were never that fucking powerful to begin with. I've got news for you. If this guy can bring down, you know, the patriarchy and white supremacy and white power and, uh, you know, the privilege of white people, then there is no fucking privilege. There is no white power. There is no patriarchy. If this guy can do it. <laughs> do you see the two can't exist at the same time? There were details of hush money payments he made for for Trump to adult film star Stormy Daniels. There was his bullying of Trump clients. There were his calls to contractors to explain to Trump's glee that his boss was reneging on payments he owed them. There was Cohen's management of Trump Moscow's hotel deal and the effort to cover it up. Plus, there were Trump's schemes to reduce his taxes, inflate his reported wealth and abuse his charitable trust, not to mention his personal treachery tackiness and overt racism yes but i'm afraid comrade the whole problem is all you came to town with was a check with thirty-five thousand dollars written on it which proves unfortunately for you precisely fuck all nothing nada zip bubkus bagel nothing 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 i know nothing if you didn't know it already, Cohen's testimony confirmed it. No, it didn't. <laughs> Cohen's testimony accused it. Do you see the difference? We're living in a country controlled by, nar- by a narcissistic sociopath whose only interest is in the office to use it for personal gain. Representative Jamie Raskin, Democrat of Maryland, noted that Cohen's most trenchant observation as, as was how Trump saw his whole campaign for a White House as a once-in-a-lifetime money-making opportunity. He has lost a billion dollars. He has lost a billion dollars. And the, quote, greatest informational... It's getting late. Greatest infomercial in the history of the world and was totally unprepared for what to do after he actually won. Well, he did a lot of stuff after he actually won, didn't he? Remember the regulations thing? That was pretty quick. That happened, like, what, two weeks later? (laughs) I remember he signed a whole bunch of executive orders that you were pissed off about. Seemed like he had some idea of what he was doing after he won. Cohen offered a few new details on Trump's schemes. His schemes. <laughs> See, this is good writing as well. This is good writing, but in order to paint negative pictures, right? Schemes to inflate his wealth. You could say uh, plans to grow his business. That would be the exact same thing. Do you see how easy this shit is? So if somebody says uh, Donald Trump had a plan to grow his business overseas... You would just merely substitute it for Donald Trump had schemes to inflate his wealth. (laughs) And all of a sudden, a different picture is painted to the audience. All of a sudden, he's got the, you know, the character of like a James Bond villain or the guy who gets caught at the end of a Scooby-Doo cartoon instead of a legitimate businessman dealing in business, making business deals around the world, right? Avoid taxes. Um... One of the most famous rich men here in Australia, a guy named Kerry Packer, once said to the government, um, if if you guys didn't piss so much of my money away, I'd be more willing to give you more. Because they were trying to say that you don't pay enough tax. But 
he wasn't like not paying taxes. He was tax avoidance is not a crime. It's actually everybody should be trying to avoid paying as much tax as possible. Like that's why this that's why the system is set up this way. So if you can find ways to not pay tax on certain things, it's on you to do it. The government isn't going to knock <clears throat> the government isn't going to knock on your door and say, "Hey, by the way, did you realize that you were paying like, you know, way way more tax than you actually have to legally?" They're not, not going to do that. They send you a tax return if you just send in, you know, if you pay too much. But if you avoid paying it in the first place, they're not going to tell you. Like, they're not going to tell you how to avoid paying tax in the first place, if you get what I'm saying. And, you know, he's this Kerry Packer guy said something along the lines of, it is the responsibility of every taxpayer to have, to try to pay as less, as least amount of tax as possible. And he's 100% right. It's not illegal. The, th- the thing that people get pissed off at is um, rich guys can afford to pay accountants and lawyers who are very, very good at it, and the rest of us can't, because tax law is incredibly complex, and the average person who's working nine to five just doesn't have the time to do it themselves, and they can't afford an accountant or a lawyer to do it for them, so we end up getting screwed, and the rich guys don't, but you know, simplify the tax code, and then we can change a lot of that. But of course, politicians don't necessarily want to uh, simplify the tax code because they want that tax money rolling in to pay for all of their bullshit schemes that they use to buy votes from people. So they're happy for us to pay exorbitant amounts of tax and they want it to be complicated because they don't want people to figure it out. And if a few rich people have to go through and pay a little bit less tax and they legally legally pay less tax than they otherwise would, then they're willing to, to give that up. Unless, of course, it becomes politically expedient to target some rich guy for not paying as much tax as you think he should even though he's not breaking the law in any way but the republicans on the committee were having none of it they feigned outrage that congress would take up such minor matters as bribery blackmail and self-dealing by a president who was after all at that very moment overseas trying to strike a historic peace deal with north korea after tweeting that cohen is a rat rat The GOP committee members focused on smearing Cohen for lying to Congress and for crimes, including campaign violations. Yeah, I thought that was was the wrong play. You don't have to smear him. He's smeared enough. Just focus on the bullshit. That were directly connected to Cohen's work for Trump. Somehow they managed to spend the entire hearing heaping outrage on Cohen for those acts without following the logical chain that connected Cohen's misdeeds directly to the president. That's exactly what I would focus on. His accusations and that logical chain because it was fucking broken and everybody could see it if they were paying attention and they were unbiased and objective in their analysis. This one sent through from Amber. Woman named Meth sentenced for supplying methamphetamine. This, See, this is the shit I like. This is the stuff. This is the stuff that needs to be heard. Fuck Michael Cohen. Hmm. Woman named Meth... Sentenced for supplying meth that killed inmate. There's a lovely young lady. A visitor who supplied a fatal amount of methamphetamine to an inmate has been sentenced to two years of incarceration. Jona Martinez Meth, 46, of Clear Lake, pleaded guilty to involuntary manslaughter in Solano County Superior Court. <clears throat> Pardon me. And it was sentenced February 21 by Solano County Superior Court Judge Robert Frakia. CDCR is committed to stopping the flow of drugs into our prisons, said Brian Schill. <laughs> we've got we've got Joanna Martin as meth and 
she's being spoken down to by a guy who's literally named Shill. <laughs> Fucking unreal. Deputy Chief of CDCR's Office of Correctional Safety. Our investigators will diligently pursue those who smuggle narcotics into any state correctional facility, and we will seek justice through aggressive prosecution of violators. There you go. Living up to her name. Here's a deal with your name all over it. Meth. (laughs) It's so dumb, but it's so good. From the great Stefan Sears one of our favourite ladies, Ivanka Trump. After Cohen's testimony, how much longer can Ivanka Trump play dumb? She's not innocent, naive, or ditzy. Cohen put Ivanka Trump right in the middle of the Moscow negotiations. After Michael Cohen's incendiary congressional hearing, it is finally time to start asking hard questions about Ivanka Trump's role in the sprawling corruption of Donald Trump's empire. So far, the first daughter, they put that in quotation marks like it's not true, like it's an assumption. The first daughter... She might be somebody else's daughter. Let's get Chelsea on the phone, see how that feels. Has mainly been the subject of negative press for her clueless princess persona and the way she holds herself out as a model businesswoman and a mother while her father wreaks havoc on the lives of working men and families. But during his day-long testimony before the House Oversight Committee on Wednesday, Cohen, who worked closely with Donald Trump for 10 years as his personal attorney and professional fixer, implicated Ivanka in the sprawling story of her father's seedy and hidden Russian dealings. Seedy and hidden. (laughs) Which, Which may also be tied to the criminal conspiracy to steal emails from the Democratic officials and influence the 2016 election. Garbage. Midway through the hearing... Rep. Stephen Lynch, Democrat from Massachusetts, asked Cohen, quote, who were the family members that you briefed on the Trump Tower Moscow project, referring to Trump's efforts to get a favourable real estate deal from Russia's oligarch class at the same time that Russian intelligence was orchestrating a criminal conspiracy to manipulate the presidential election. Uh, manipulate it. <laughs> yeah. hey, I'm, sure, I'm sure all of those Midwest voters... <laughs> I'm sure all those people in the South were voting for Donald Trump because Russia told them to because they were reading too many Russian posts on Facebook. This shit is just insane. Don Trump Jr. and Ivanka Trump, Cohen replied, added, see, because the level of manipulation is never actually articulated. And we've played on this show many times the uh, lawyer representing Twitter literally saying on record to Congress, I think, might have been Senate, I I can't remember which one it was, Um, that the amount of posts from Russian accounts in the 2016 election cycle equated to 0.00001% of all tweets. You know, the amount of money that the the Russians spent on Google advertising was like $4,000. They spent $200,000 on Facebook. And this, this apparently, this bargain basement deal was enough to manipulate the presidential election. It is utter garbage. It is utter and complete claptrap. You you have to be a, a real simpleton to think that $4,000 worth of Google ads, $200,000 worth of ads on Facebook, and 0.0001% of all tweets is enough to make an entire country like America of, you know, 320 plus million people vote for somebody that they otherwise wouldn't. You have to be insane. <laughs> that's why they never go into the level of manipulation. That's why they never discuss like what the manipulation actually entails because it's garbage and they can't answer it. That's why they don't. 
And I would be saying the same thing if it was happening in reverse. I would say, no, you can't say that. That's bullshit. That's ridiculous. I say the exact same things. People on this show will know. I say the exact same things to Republicans who blame every election loss on voter fraud. I'm saying, well, you know, like voter fraud. I'm not saying that there isn't voter fraud, but if you're trying to tell me that the entire country flipped because of voter fraud, then that's utterly insane. It's ridiculous. It doesn't happen that way. CBS News. Who were the family members that you briefed on the Trump Tower Moscow project? Don Trump Jr. and Ivanka Trump. Okay. Now, were these in the regular course of business or, or did the president or family request the briefings? This is the regular course of business. Do you recall, uh, there's a question on the number of briefings. Do you recall how many there might have been? I'm sorry, sir? Do you recall how many of these briefings there might have been? <laughs> Approximately 10 okay. in total. All right. Okay, that was, that was fucking informative and a waste of time, wasn't it? Thanks for that, CBS. Even though Ivanka is clearly her father's favourite child. <laughs> yes! Oh, I love it. Salon is now Salon has given up trying to wedge the population against Donald Trump. They're now trying to wedge Ivanka Trump against her siblings. <laughs> you could just see one of the other Trumps running in going, Daddy, is this true? Is this true? Is Ivanka your favourite? You always said I was your favourite. <laughs> Even though Ivanka is clearly her father's favourite child and has been heavily involved in both his real estate and branding business as well as his White House administration, maybe she's the most talented one. Maybe the other ones are just fucking morons. Have we considered that as a possibility? <laughs> I'm not saying they are, but they're trying to point out, they're trying to say that Ivanka Trump is kind of stupid, you know? She plays dumb. She's vacuous. She's a vacuous ninny. But at the same time, this multi-billionaire gives her the keys to the castle and not the boys. How does that fucking work? Can't be both things at the same time, Salon. She's gotten relatively little attention for her role as she may she may have played in the Trump organization or campaigns dealings in Russia. Well done, Salon. Good journalistic work there. Fuck Salon, says Stefan Sears. Always, always. I bet their office is nothing but puppies, crayons, pillows, and crying rooms. <laughs> Key Wizard, she saw she saw what I did there. I don't know what I did, but I'm sure it was good enough to see. And I'm glad that you saw it so we can share this moment together, Key Wizard. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Man delivering food allegedly dips testicles in salsa. Now see this this is exactly my level. This is this is what people come to me for. <laughs> it's not it's, it's not the serious stuff. <laughs> A delivery man in Maryville, Tennessee. What you get when you give an 89 cents tip for... Oh, there he is, there he is. Yo, we're going to make this shit viral, yo. We're going to make this shit viral. Like, what the fuck is wrong? Like, what's wrong with people? It's not even the dipping the testicles in the salsa that bothers me. The, the act of dipping the testicles in the salsa is not what upsets me. It's the fact that this fucking idiot did it while someone was filming him. Like, how fucking stupid are you? I'm surprised you even know how to breathe. Like, do you have to think about it when you breathe? Like, in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out. Like, fuck, man. 
got to be one of the dumbest guys on earth. Again, yeah, allegedly. He allegedly dipped his nuts in a in a bucket of salsa. No, he didn't. We saw it. It's not alleged. It happened. <laughs> like if you if you're going to be a food terrorist, if you're going to be like a some kind of, you know, food vigilante, then do it. Make sure the fucking cameras aren't rolling, man. <laughs> one of these one of these idiots who tries to stick up a 7-Eleven and doesn't wear a bal- balaclava. They'll never catch me. They'll never know. <laughs> Idiot. Guy walks down the street 15 minutes later and gets picked up by a copper and they're like, I don't, how did you get me? I don't even know. How did you know it was me? This Tennessee man took a double dipping took double dipping to another level while delivering food from a Mexican restaurant. Howard Matthew Webb, why is he even working for a Mexican restaurant? He's not Mexican. Hey, if we're not allowed to eat the Mexican food, you sure as shit can't get paid for delivering it. You redneck ball dipping motherfucker. Is accused of putting both of his testicles. <laughs> both. <laughs> because if it was just one, we might let you off. In a customer's salsa container ordered last month from a Maraville establishment, the Knoxville News Sentinel reported. He was arrested Friday after a 14-second video surfaced of his revenge against a low-paying customer. Police said Webb was a passenger in the vehicle when when the order was delivered on January 12 by an independent contractor for Dinner Delivered, an online meal ordering service. The driver allegedly filmed Webb placing his testicles in the customer's salsa and posted the video saying... This is what you get when you give 89 cents tip for almost a 30-minute drive. Well, fucking harden up. Get another job. See these people like, oh, this is what you get when you give 89 cents tip for a 30-minute drive. No, you. this is what you get when you're a fucking delivery driver and you expect to be paid you know, more than 89 cents. Fuck you. <laughs> this, this is precisely why you're a delivery driver because you're so smart that you think filming yourself dipping your testicles in a customer's food and putting it online is a good idea. That you shouldn't you shouldn't even be a delivery driver at this point. Like delivery driver is way too smart for you. You know what I mean? I've got nothing against delivery drivers, but this is this is precisely why you are at where you are at at your life right now. A 31-year-old delivery driver getting famous for dipping his nuts in salsa. That's that's you now. That's your life. <laughs> Embrace it. Webb is heard saying, oh, oh, it feels good. <laughs> the video began to circulate online and dinner delivered notified authorities. Police arrested Webb and charged him with the adulter- uh, the adulteration of food. He remained in jail Wednesday on a $45,000 bond. If only he'd saved up all of those 89 cents tips. You cunt. <clears throat> I bet you wish you had 89 cents now, don't you, mate? Hey? You can buy yourself a cigarette with 89 cents, bro. Wish you had 90 cents now, don't you, sucker? Yeah. Look at him. Look at this guy. What a piece of shit. <laughs> what a piece of shit. Wonder if he regretted that. I think he's I think he's spending some time contemplating his life now. Just to waste two minutes of everyone's time. All killer, no filler. Okay. Steel Panther TV presents Cinnaminute Pulp Fiction. Let's have a look. 
It's low yeah. budget, but it's fucking rad. Fucking beautiful out here, isn't it? It's amazing out here. Yeah. I love it. Do you like my new car? I love it, dude. This steering wheel is amazing. Thank you, dude. I had this, I had this thing custom installed. Oh my god, there's some hot shit here. Just look at that. Woo! Check me on the passenger seat. Oh shit, that's a guy. That's a guy. Oh, hey, that's sir. But now, dude, tell me about the hash bars. I'll tell you, dude. It's uh, it's amazing over there. Is it legal? It's legal to buy it. It's legal to own it. It's legal to eat it. It's legal to snort it. <laughs> this is so it's terrible. It's legal to shove it up your ass. I can and, shove it up my own ass. I could shove it up your ass too. And it's legal for me to do that. There's a lot of things that are legal over there. You can fuck a dog if you want over in Europe. It's crazy. For real? Well, and here's <laughs> one of the coolest things about it. When, if you get Steph, you're over, a sick puppy. Can't go into your butthole without permission, unless he's a spelunker. If he has a spelunking license, you can just can, dig up in there. We can go wherever he wants. He's a spelunker. That's it, dude. I'm going there. Dude, you're I'm perfect. Going. There's so many things that you could carry in your butthole over there. Dude, I can only imagine what I can put in my butthole in Europe. Terrible. I was just imagining it just now. Dude, but you know what the crazy. cool thing about Europe is? What? It's the little differences, bro. Like what? It's the little things. You know, like if you go into McDonald's, right? Mm-hmm. You can, the looks. You can order um, cocaine. Did you know that? No. I did not know you that. You can order cocaine. Cocaine at McDonald's. They just give you a big bag of cocaine. It's just crazy stuff. What do they call it? Le cocaine. Le cocaine. Le cocaine. Okay. Isn't that amazing? That's fucking also, crazy. if you go to a bar, you can get a burger. You know that? So if you're at a bar. It's the burger bar. We have those here. Uh, well, like I said, there's similarities as well. You know what they put on the french fries in Holland? Ketchup? Oh, dude. What? If it was ketchup, I wouldn't even tell you about it. I guess. What is it? Who's sperm? It's just whoever they can get. Who's sperm? Yeah. Uh, that was awful, and I hope I never ever see it again. Uh, comment in the chat. They put mayo on everything. Actually, the shit you get in Holland that they put on the chips—not French fries, but chips—it's not really mayonnaise. It's weird. It's like this. It's it's it's, it's white sauce that kind of looks like mayonnaise, but it's it's not mayonnaise. It's thicker, and it tastes different. It looks like mayonnaise, but it's not mayonnaise. I actually I was so obsessed with it when I came home from um, Europe when I spent a little time in Holland. That I found a you know a Dutch festival here in Sydney and went out and bought a couple of bottles of the shit and started putting it on everything because it's amazingly delicious. <laughs> Once you get over the fact that it, it doesn't look like the way it's you know you're not supposed to put this on chips because it's not red. Once you get over that, you'll be like oh, 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 oh. you'll be rubbing it on your nipples and everything. I've said too much. 1999. Toyota Corolla, fine as fuck. You want a car that gets the job done? You want a car that's hassle-free? You want a car that literally no one will ever compliment you on? Well, look no further. See, I like it when people put a bit of effort in. It's not a bad-looking shitty car, to be fair. It's clean inside. That's what you want on an old shit box. Clean inside. I love the little, like, the little scratch up here on the front bumper. It looks like he's, you know, brushed up against a petrol bowser. Owners, the 99 owner's manual's there. That's a clean car. The 1999 Toyota Corolla. Let's talk about features. Bluetooth, nope. Sunroof, nope. Fancy wheels, nope. Rear view camera, nope. But it's got a transparent rear window and you have a fucking neck that can turn. Let me tell you a story. One day my Corolla started making a strange sound. I didn't give a shit and I ignored it. It went away. The end. 
It's true. You can't kill old Toyotas. They just keep going and going and going. You can't kill the bastards. They're a great car if you just want to have the same car for the next 25 fucking years. You could take the engine out of this car, drop it off the Golden Gate Bridge, fish it out of the water a thousand years later, put it in the trunk of the car, fill up the gas tank with Nutella, turn the key, and this puppy would fucking start right up. This car will outlive you. It will outlive your children. That's a selling point. Things this car is old enough to do. Vote, yes. Consent to sex, yes. Rent a car, it is a car. (laughs) This car's got history. It's seen some shit. People have done straight things in this car. People have done gay things in this car. It's not going to judge you like a fucking Volkswagen would. Interesting fact. The car's exterior colour is grey, but its interior colour is grey. They've spelt grey two different ways. In the owner's manual, oil is listed as optional. When this car was unveiled at the 1998 Detroit Auto Show, it it caused all 2000 attendees to spontaneously yawn. The resulting abrupt change in air pressure inside the building caused a partial collapse of the roof. Four people died. The event is chronicled in the documentary Bored to Death, the story of the 1999 Toyota Corolla. This is fantastic. See, shit like this I like because this person isn't getting paid. Like, somebody is just doing this to bring joy to the world. You know what I mean? Like, some when people make, like, funny posts on, you know, Craigslist or, you know, funny comments in, you know, article comment sections and shit like that, and it's anonymous and it's just fun. Somebody is just putting some fun out there for the rest of us. And those people are the, the true heroes in today's world where everybody is trying to get us to kill each other and everybody wants us angry and upset and offended and outraged at everything all the time. People like this are making the world a better place on the internet. They need to be cherished. Like the only, the only satisfaction that this guy or girl would have gotten from making this post is the fact that when they hit send, they knew, they sat back in their chair and they knew somebody would get a giggle out of it at some point. And that's enough. Like, they did a good thing for the world. You know what I mean? I love shit like that. You want to know more? Great. I had my car fill out a Facebook survey. Favourite food, spaghetti, favourite TV show, Alf. Favourite band, tie between Bush and the Gin Blossoms. This car is as practical as Roth IRA. It's as middle of the road as your grandpa during his last silver alert. It's as utilitarian as a member of the church whose scripture is based entirely on water bills. When I ran the car fax for this car, I got back a single piece of paper that said, it's a Corolla. It's fine. Let's face facts. This car isn't going to win any beauty contests, but neither are you. Stop stop lying to yourself and stop lying to your wife. This is the car you want. It's the car you deserve. The fucking 1999 Toyota Corolla. Well done. Utterly fantastic. Great find, Stefan Sears. Well done. A beautiful piece of work there from an unknown person trying to flog their shitbox old Toyota Corolla. I think it's wonderful. Don't you? Just making the world a better place. With that, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for sticking around. I know it gets really late. It gets really late in here, doesn't it? It's been a long one. I didn't anticipate it to go this long. We've gone. We've only gone one hour and 45 minutes over time, so you'll be pleased to know. <laughs> But thanks for sticking around, everyone who did. Kimmy Jong-un, Stefan Sears, the great General Eaton, Sandra, Jules. Most of these people are asleep. Sin Soaked, I don't think, is asleep. I think he's on a beer run. Net drag. Who's this? Angela Kimboyd, Wordsminer, Tracy and AK. Rusty, thanks for joining us. Thomas Gordon, good to see you. Thanks for joining us. 
A, B, A to B works for me. That's it. Jules Arden, I said that, I think. Mike, OC Mike, thanks for joining us. The owner and CEO of TABshow.com, ladies and gentlemen, James R., who will be broadcasting tomorrow night with everybody's favourite preacher man, Chris McDonald, on Pirate Radio, 11.30pm. And I'll be back with Ryan Seacrest, I mean James R., on Sunday night, back to the usual Sunday night and Trust and Verify. Hope you can join us then. If not, if not, I'm sure you'll live. Get yourself a Toyota Corolla and everything will be sweet. So, ladies and gentlemen, big week. Thanks for joining us. Till next time, guys. Denise is still awake. Until next time, guys. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to put me in front of a judicial and oversight committee and wonder about my payments to porn stars, you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Until next time, guys, stay calm, stay rational. God bless. See you soon. Bye-bye.